This is Movies, a podcast about the actor cinema, and with me today is Hans of the Han Dynasty. How are you doing this evening? Hey, hey, good, pretty good. Just a little shiny. You're always shiny. Why do you have nothing yeah. to say whenever I cut to you on this? You you always save all I'm your ba- best I'm... banter for right before, and then you take like a good half hour to warm up on this show. Yeah. It's because I'm I'm shy. I'm a little shy on you episode stage what, 500, episode like three something, and I'm still like a little bashful. It's my Asian. It's the Asian in me. I'm a little, you know, what is it? I are you, no, are you what, trying what a red it? face right now? Are you bashful? What's going on? Oh, he's taking yes. what Red Bar calls the fool sip. Yeah, a nervous, nervous sip. Like when Robbie made that joke, when I was just like, <laughs> remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, we've got a brand new special guest on the show tonight. We have Ryan Jackson. And Ryan, I got to apologize to you because I've mentioned your show twice. I definitely f- fucked up the name both <laughs> times. I feel like I, I, I think I called it the Mutual Arbitration Society. Uh, I, no worries. I do think it is a uh, it is not a, a an easy name, apparently, for people to recall. <laughs> it's a wordy. It's a wordy podcast. Yeah, it's wordy. Title. It's not. It's not the best. Uh, it doesn't. It's roll not off movies. You yeah, know. it's not movies. It's not a one title kind of thing. People just started. Just, like I started calling it MAS, and that's kind of what I call it mostly now. I feel like I'm sorry. I just think. Uh, think. Think it was the first person who started calling it that was I think it was da- J. David Osborne. Mm-hmm. It was like MAS, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna start calling it. Yeah, MAS. Uh, yeah, but Mutual Aberration Society is is not a title that uh, I clearly didn't think that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's a good show. I just listened to your show on uh, Actors mm. recently, yeah. which is a movie we covered on, and you hooked me up with the... I mm. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that. I don't know. It's okay. It's okay but, if you tell them. They're, what are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, What's Peter Rack going to do? What is he, they what, what, can't what, find what a distributor, it seems like. Yeah, they're, they're, they're still <laughs> touring it around. I don't know. I right, hope but, somebody but, picks it up. But yeah, I do too. But also, like, aren't they sell? I saw they're selling VHS copies, right? Was that uh, were they doing that, or was some did someone like they're, present that? I think that? they're doing it like at specific screenings of the like when they do it, they have VHS copies. Now the question I'm coming uh, that I come to right is like, okay, some of the music, and I think you maybe even mentioned this uh, on your episode because mm. I, I listened to it about actors is like some of the music on there. I'm like, I don't know if they have the rights to it. Um, they definitely don't have the rights. So I think, it's interesting. I, it's like, you know, like it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, at this point, the movie's getting passed around. Mm-hmm. People, more people should see it. I tell people they should see it. So I feel like it's good promotion. I don't feel like, you know, um, the fact that I got my hands on a copy. That you're distributing illegal copies of the Yeah, film. yeah, yeah of yeah. a movie that can't actually be released, apparently. Um, I feel <laughs> like, again, I'm just, I'm just, we're doing it. We're doing uh, them a service by telling hey people like go this is a movie worth checking out you know? i totally agree I, except Hans, you, know, Hans you hated the movie <laughs> you, you gave it one star so <laughs> it should be viewed by anyone no uh, uh how does that work with the rights so they send you a cease and desist right and you can't but what about the money that you've already made it's a good question well in, in the case of something like actors where they're just doing these kind of pop-up screenings every so mm-hmm. often it's probably not worth their time. The cease and desist is really just meant to scare them so they don't right. continue right. to do it. Um, I don't think that they're really all that concerned about the profit generated because what they have like Cindy Lauper on the soundtrack and she's fine. She's yeah. she doesn't care. But you know, somebody at Universal, whoever owns the rights, they're gonna care because that's money out of their pocket. So I don't know. I think it's just a matter of like staying below the radar 
with that. But I think it would be cool to see it get like a vinegar syndrome release or, or something. They, they're tied in with Factory 25, and they seem to have like a good rapport with vinegar syndrome and those offshoot physical medium brands. But uh, I don't know. Maybe if they have to swap out the music, it might just change the whole vibe of the movie. It might not mm. be so good. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I got an early copy of Drive when it was still in the um, – what, what is it? It had temp music on it. And the mm. temp music was 28 Days Later soundtrack. It and was I was like, like an assembly cut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was basically the same movie, but it had temp music on it. And it was mainly the 28 Days Later soundtrack. And it changed the whole vibe of the movie when I watched like a proper legitimate cut of it. Cause then you have Cliff Martinez, you have, um, you know, all the iconic real human beings. Actually, that might have been in there already. Uh, but you have all the iconic music. I was like, wow, this movie is awesome. But with that, it, you know, it wasn't conveyed the same way. Hmm. What, if, what if you put a Korean uh, acid jazz that you were listening to in the elevator? on actors how do you think that would, like in this movie even better you know what that's a great segue into the moon is the sun stream park chan wook's first film this is a this is another film that was very rare for a long period of time now it's just that someone threw it up on youtube um that's not how i got it i bought it in 2017 or 2018 so they released a blu-ray in korea that does not have english subtitles and that came out not long after like a 20-year hiatus or something where they remastered it and played it on television in HD. And then somebody in China took that and added English subtitles and sold it on eBay for like $40. And that's what I got. That was my copy of the film. And I have a copy on my shelf right now. Now it's just on YouTube for anybody to watch. Uh, this was a, a hard commodity to come by. And he still has one other film he did called Trio. Trio. Yeah. Which is very difficult to track yeah. down i have i'm a, still um, trying to find I, i'm still trying to find that one <laughs> yeah. i i went to uh so there's a dvd vendor called dvdlady.com that you can get like rare tv movies and exclusive foreign films and i ordered it off of there and she fucking lied she said there were english subtitles on there there were no english subtitles so i have it I just don't know what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've I've thought about like learning Japanese just so I can, yeah. <laughs> so I can, um, just so I can watch some other movies because there's a whole bunch of movies that I know about that are like in Japan that I can't that no one's made subtitles for, and I'm like, I'm just, I just need to learn. Like, I mean, Hans, I know you're Asian-ish. I know, I know you don't speak I, any like, <laughs> no. I speak Spanish better than you speak uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely I, I know uh, dishes <laughs> the name of some Chinese dishes that's as far as my Chinese goes uh, wouldn't you need to learn Korean though and then yeah, Thai Korean. and then yeah, yeah, yeah just a bunch of that's the problem you know with Spanish if you speak Spanish it doesn't matter what country it is you'll get it there's some words yeah. that change and whatnot you'll get it but if you go to Asia, you know, every single country has its, it's specific. Dialect, it's yeah, like yeah. And even China, like I, I hear from people like from friends of mine who say, yeah, like Mandarin is way different than Cantonese. Like, yeah. and that's within the same actual country. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah what the fuck? Yeah. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> Make it easier for foreigners that want to enjoy the shit that you do. And instead you have to, yeah. Hope that uh, the subtitles are not written also by an Asian person that barely speaks English, which happens. Yeah, it could sometimes. just be made up. It could be totally yeah. fiction, whatever's on YouTube right now. It might not even be the same as the Blu-ray I got. Uh, so we're just assuming it's the correct storyline. So I'm going to read the Wikipedia synopsis, which I've 
typically never done before, but for a movie like this, although it's a very like simple plot, um, you know, it'll just assist people because nobody listening to this has ever seen this movie before. So we have Mu Hoon, a gangster in Busan, who is the half brother of Ya Hung. And that's a successful photographer. He's the nerd of the movie. Uh, when Mu Hoon, that's a, I hate these fucking Korean names. When Mu Hoon <laughs> is caught having an affair with his boss's mistress, Yoon Ju, the two run off with their organization's money. They are soon caught. But although Mu Hoon escapes, Yoon Ju is given a scar on her cheek. As part of, it's very Tina Fey as a child. When that guy came up and gave her the old Heath Ledger, that random slasher, who that like, random yeah, slasher, yeah. yes, uh, Yoon Ju is given a scar on her cheek as punishment and sold into prostitution. A year later, Mu Hoon finds a photograph of Yoon Ju at Ye Hung Studio. Hans, you know, if you were seeing a girl and you were like madly in love with her and she was forced into prostitution, and then you met up with her like a year later and she had three hundred guys as her body count, would that ruin things for you? Do I know? Yeah, I, if I'm aware, yeah. <laughs> but she was forced. She was forced All into right. prostitution. Well, that sucks for both of us, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad for both. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I don't know. I think that might change things a little bit. Wow, that's not fair. But all right, a year later, Mu Hoon finds a photograph of Yoon Ju at Ya Ha Young Studio. But although he is able to rescue her, he is eventually tracked down by the mob. Threatened with Yoon Ju's death, Mu Hoon accepts. I hate that their names rhyme too. Uh, Mu Hoon accepts a job to kill a man, only to discover that his target is in fact his old gang friend, Man Chiol. Which so hasn't that... been mentioned in the rest of the synopsis at all. <laughs> no, it was guy. completely ignored. It's very uh, <laughs> out of nowhere in this. Yeah, uh, this is uh, this is not that bad of a movie, all things yeah. considered. Um, yeah. People have really uh, cited it as like his worst film. And now, Ryan, I think I saw in your letterbox, you had a similar sentiment where you think people might be overreacting as far as the negative reception. Yeah, they definitely are, uh, especially letterboxes. Is, is, it's just the hype beast for, for film. Like, it's just a film. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so you've got a lot of people who are like grading the movie one star simply based on the fact that they know that uh, Park Chan-wook has distanced himself from the film and has gone out of his way to make sure mm. that people know he doesn't like stand by the movie. Mm-hmm. So I feel like people are just giving it one star based on that. Like, you know what I mean? As opposed to like actually uh, whether they're not judging the film on its own merit. They're judging the film based on, you know, Park Chan-wook's. Uh, yeah. uh, a lot of the reviews playing the, playing the movie, like basically. A lot of the reviews are just people being like, well, it makes sense that he has disowned this movie. And it's like, shut <laughs> right. up. They probably, like, shut the fuck up. They probably never even watched it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, they, they, I guarantee they never, most of these people never watched it. So, you know, me same, and, and Parchak Wu. Here's, here's the thing. Think? Go check all those people and see if they watch Cocaine Bear. Like, and look at their ratings <laughs> of Cocaine Bear. And that's probably, that'll tell you, just, just, yeah, just shut, just write them off completely. <laughs> the new classic Cocaine Bear. Yeah, yeah. New, new mar- cocaine. What is it? Uh, the animals doing drug. Right. Well, well, they, animals doing when we, universe. When we looked at the meth gator, we saw some, and this was just the last episode too. We saw some trailer some miserable looking trailer with tom sizemore in it and he had bruises all over his face and it was like caked up and now they announce he's like dead he's gonna die tonight 
probably. I don't know. Maybe he'll live. Wouldn't that be a miracle if Tom Sizemore lived? I, I, you know, he would, he would be great in something like Cocaine Bear. Twenty two. years ago, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what playing uh, the bear, <laughs> just being high on coke. Uh, yeah, Tom Sizemore's. He's it's fucking like he was. He's great in so many like old movies, like you know older movies, like you know Heat and shit like that. Like. Yeah, I just watched Natural Born Killers again. That might be like his best character role that I can remember anyway. Although he's really good on Twin Peaks, The Return, too. But he's much more measured in that. I like Tom Sizemore when he's like revved up. So that, uh, he's good in, oh, what was it? Uh, Thin Red Line. He's great. Um, Heat, of course, classic. But, uh, oh, Celebrity Rehab season two or three on VH1. <laughs> that was good. Him and Jeff Conway. Wait, it yeah. doesn't sound like that worked, huh? That's weird. I thought you're supposed to be rehab by the He was dating show. Heidi Fleiss at the time too. I remember they had like a showmance. That's the uh famous Hollywood prostitute. Madam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Hollywood madam. Yeah. Heidi Fleiss. Uh shout out to all of my Hollywood madams out there. <laughs> this is an anti no this is a pro-human trafficking episode. Yeah, yeah this is so far, I mean, I'm with Hans's comments. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm pro-sex work for, for all those women out there, you know. Shout yes, out all me. those women like Yoon Ju in The Moon mm. is the Sun's Dream. Right, right. Right back. Good good, good way to tie it back in there. She's just following her passion. That's really what it's about. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it is a very, like, Romeo and Juliet kind of story. It's it very is very, surface it is a level. very, yeah, it's a very, like, uh, sincere movie. And that's probably why uh, Chen Wu Park is probably watches it and probably is like, cringes about it how, yeah. how you know what i mean like it does have that like cringy quality to it but honestly that's part of to me that's part of the movie's charm you mm. know what i mean like especially now especially when we live at in, a, in at the state of cinema right now um i feel so like a douche even saying that the state of cinema but whatever uh, the state of like movies today like where everything has to be sort of like so like you know, wink, nudge, you know, like sarcastic, you know what I mean? Like, right. It shows low confidence that they don't yeah. have the ability to be sincere with the audience and, and have characters mean what they're saying. They try to like walk it back a little bit just in case it's like mm-hmm. too cringy, you know? Yeah. And back in the day, nobody really cared about it. Nobody yeah, thought nobody, like that. Nobody yeah, was no so neurotic yeah. in their writing. Um, and I think that is kind of killing movies a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, with this one, there's no real... I mean, Park Chan-wook is kind of looked at as a successor of Hitchcock, especially with like Decision to Leave, where I think he was like mm. aping that a lot. Yeah. Um, his films are very like methodical and, and full of character strategy and whatnot and psychoanalytical. And this is not that. This is just kind of like a by-the-numbers romance tale, which is refreshing. And I, I don't know. I, I think... For a, for a first film, and, you know, given the constraints of, like, having to work in the early 90s, he does a pretty good job with this. I mean, it all looks pretty visually slick. Now, granted, it's like Korea in the early 90s, so you have, like, a big leg up there compared to what somebody might be shooting with now, where everything's so stripped down and minimalist and bland as far as, like, architecture and, and just design visuals go. But... Uh, there's nothing really in this movie that sticks out to me as aggressively bad. I mean, it might be just like sloppy at some points, but for the most part, I think he has strung together like a pretty decent starter film. Yeah. I think for, as a first film, you know, 
it's one of those first films where you can tell like the filmmaker has chops you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like you're like no this person is a competent director like this is this is made by someone who who's not like a complete you know like hack with no bill you know what i mean that doesn't really kind of like you, you even 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 though i understand after watching it like why he sort of probably feels the way he feels about it i i do feel like it's more from a standpoint of like that's a that's a that's a that's a park chan Wook problem that's not a a movie problem you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's more i'll put it let me let me rephrase that it's more it's more of a park chan Wook problem than it is a moon is the sun's dream problem like the film it's more about him like and, and his feelings about the movie and, and and of course you just made a movie so you know this uh I'm, I'm sure that like you can always see the flaws when you make when you make it you can mm-hmm. see it way in way more detail like than people who have no attachment to the movie because they didn't make it. You're just, just as a viewer, like you, you're not going to see half the, like all you'll see is the flaws. All you'll see is the holes, the problems, the things that like I did, like, you know why it's, you know, you know why certain decisions were made in the edit, you know, that other people just don't. And I feel like maybe that's probably a big reason why Park Chan Wook feels the way he does about this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd be really interested to see Trio too, because apparently that's even hard. Like you said, well, that's an even harder one to find. I mean, you have it obviously with no subtitles, but yeah, if someone wants to just subtitle that. <laughs> I can send that out. I'll upload it. Uh, uh, that's apparently like a romantic comedy, I guess. I don't know. That was a trio films, re- romantic trio films were very big in the late nineties. What was it? There's like flirting with disaster. I think was one, uh, or two guys Amy. and a girl chasing Amy. <laughs> chasing there you go. Did you hear Amores Kevin Smith Peros. quit weed? Amores Peros. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Oh, that is a, the three. Yeah. yeah, Wait, yeah, he, quit, yeah. he quit yeah. weed. <laughs> Kevin Smith? Why? Because he's dying? Because he's 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 shrinking again. He looks very unhealthy. Uh, I so he was like gaining a little bit of like healthy weight back. Although what's healthy for a person who's been obese for like a big portion of their life? Like it's just the wrong track. You're just recognizing you're on the wrong track. And then he corrected it, I guess, by quitting weed. And now he looks. Like freeze dried, he looks fucking yeah. like spooky. Hans, you want to pull yeah. up a picture of Kevin Smith now? Sure. Um, and he has—I don't think he's revealed it publicly to his base. I think he just put it out in like an email or or something like that. Because um, who knows what what the reaction to that would be from so many of his fans? But I think that's a very good thing for Kevin Smith. You think it's a good thing that he's dying? Yeah. Yes, I think he's gonna go out. <laughs> Go out on top. That's what I always say. Oh, yo, Kevin. I, 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 you know, I have a, I have a, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm partial to Kevin Smith even now. Like, I don't mm-hmm. like his movies, um, but I did. I, I, I was like, I feel like a Kevin Smith fan when I was younger. Um, back when it was like everyone liked Clerks, and I mean, I still kind of like Clerks to this day. Uh, but yeah, he's just like, he's just like someone you. He's just a filmmaker you outgrow. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He's a yeah, 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 yeah. He's a '90s staple. I think if you're mm-hmm. into film and you grew up during that time, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Smith is just one of those staples. Where, uh, and, it, and it seems like if you're not from that era, right? If you're much older or much younger, you just don't get it. You can't like connect with that at all. Right. And that makes sense, Hans. You got the photo. I can tell from your face. You're smiling. <laughs> so you must have something good here. Let's take a. Oh, there oh, he is. Oh man, that neck. I, I think- I wanted to focus on this poem that he wrote on his. Oh, I thought you wanted to see his cool Funko Pops. Oh, yeah. It's all of him, too. 
Yeah, it's all <laughs> him. It's all little versions of himself. And oh, then it just, is. Uh, it's literally the Funko Pops yeah. of Kevin Smith himself. Holy shit. That's kind of wow. psychotic, yo. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> just have a bunch I of mean, figures of yourself. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, the, yeah. it's a whole shelf of like action figures with him. Of him. That's crazy. Wow, he looks oh, wow. This is very erotic. This is angle. this is disturbing. Like this is this concerning. Is a weird. What is this shot too? Like it's just this is what called is it, it ain't gonna suck his, itself. Yeah, he cropped his balls out of the picture is that what hey, hey that's the same exact pose uh that anthony weiner when he was no. <laughs> when he was laying next to his son does he have a underwear? plastic spoon in his ear like a cigarette yeah oh okay well you know that's alarming that's that is an alarming but he does he does look like a uh like you said like beef jerky like oh. just it's, well, I it, guess he looks like he has cancer. The bone structure is like popping out of his face in a way that doesn't look healthy at all. Yeah, he looks um, like he's like, dying. It's yeah. like Dubby from Harry Potter. Uh, he, uh, you can either go this way or you can go the Seth Rogen way. Have you seen him now? He's got like long, colorful nails. and Long, colorful nails, you said? Yeah. No, yeah, I haven't seen Seth Rogen's nails. I don't, I don't make an effort to go and check out his nails. But I guess we're gonna take a look to. at that next. <laughs> you don't have to. Go. I'll, I'll say this. I will say, I will say this about Kevin Smith. Um, you gotta respect, sort of, when you really look at his his filmography, you kind of gotta respect it, even if you don't like the movies, because you got a guy. This is a guy who did it, who had a whole career, pretty much doing just his own shit, like just mm -hmm. his own weird, fucking shit. The whole time and 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 i think uh tusk is underrated a little bit uh, i think i think it's great yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Hans, I, I think I remember, tusk is the best a24 film like, that well i wouldn't go that far, <laughs> but, uh, it's it's up there i think a24 that's a hot take like, that's a hot take but 2013 uh, but it's definitely one of the better a24 films for sure <laughs> yeah do we got we got seth rogan yeah okay let's take a look here again patreon oh this is him this is Okay. Are you sure this isn't a gag, Hans? Did you fall for a joke? Oh, well, he In looks like a uh, homosexual. <clears throat> yeah, this is about to say like he's is he gay now? <laughs> I know he's married. I know he has a wife, but I don't mean anything. It's so did Liberace. Yeah, it's the same. It's Hollywood. You know, it's normal. It's normal yeah. shit. <laughs> it's a beard. It's just another beard. Damn, he's so yeah. cool. I love Seth Rogen. <laughs> well. What do you all right? So, what do you guys think about Korean film in general? Because I, I maybe we got into this a little bit on your show, Ryan, but I feel like Korean cinema has fallen off a little bit in the past couple of years. But it's still probably better than the general output of uh, yeah. American film. And then we were talking about Squid Game mm -hmm. a bit, and we both have fa favorable opinions of Squid Game. Whereas, like, I think there's a lot of film snobs in in the Western like mm -hmm. film online sphere of things that are maybe a little more, I don't know, there's people who, who like blind, have a blind support for it. And then there's people who feel like they're above it or something, and maybe it's like too predictable or too hackneyed or something, I don't know. Um, but I, 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 my general perception is that I think the Koreans are still doing it uh, superior to most countries, uh, yeah. but that the, the golden age for their filmmaking was something like 2000 to maybe 2015 or 2016. 
Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree. Um, I, I would say that around the time where you had like old boy and and you had like the chaser and 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 uh, what's what's the uh, the Kim Jin, the uh, the Kim Jean Woo like all of that whole run that he had with you know the good the bad the weird and mm-hmm. like we, we talked about like uh, what's uh, I saw the devil yeah um, I feel like yeah that that block of early aughts you know to late night like I feel like that was this sort of the golden era, if you want to say it was a golden era for sort of like, at least for Korean films internationally. Like, I don't know about, you know, actually within Korea. Uh, but I mean, there was a new uh, Korean movie called Midnight that I, I enjoyed. I thought it was pretty, pretty decent thriller. That sounds familiar to me. Uh, did it come out this past year? Yeah, it's fairly, yeah, it's a fairly recent movie. Um, it's, yeah, I think it came up. I think it came out over here, like, like in 2022, I think, pretty sure. Uh, every time I, 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 it seems like every time I check back over with like, you know, uh, in, when I watch a movie that's newer, it still seems to be like at, at very least, at the very least better than your average American, like Hollywood studio movie. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I mean, even though that's a kind of a very low bar at this point, because I mean, all we, all we release is like fucking cape shit and like you know like you know whatever spinoff of fucking you know whatever the fuck you know so no yeah. no no you have a new movement now starting by skinnamarink which is a movie that's not really a movie <laughs> a movie I, that's listen, static been, images <laughs> i have been shitting on skinnamarink since it came out on every episode of mutual Aberration society i will continue the streak <laughs> I, will, I will shit on it on movies. It is it's not a movie. That's not it's not a movie. I'll tell you what, I'm <laughs> softening on Skin of a Rink. The more the further away from maybe that's it. It's just distance. Mm-hmm. Distance makes the heart grow too. fonder. Um yeah. I watched Skin of a Rink and I know you warned me when mm-hmm. I did uh the show on Copenhagen Cowboy. You were like, mm-hmm. this movie is not a movie like just exactly what you're saying now. And uh, even when I turned it on, I don't think I was prepared for just how stripped down it was, because you're right. It's not narrative in any conventional function. It's almost like a less exciting version of Begotten or or one of those types of like, it's just an art exhibit kind of film. And I, I don't know. There's just something about it that I think... I'm starting to like now that I don't have to endure watching it. You know, it's been a month. <laughs> a movie you like when you don't have to watch it. Yeah, yes. That's... Yeah. Exactly. When you uh, when you actually forget about how you felt. When I reshape the memory liking. in my head of yeah. it being a more not as pleasant bad when experience. it's not on. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, it's interesting because that movie. Uh, the thing that bothered me is when I looked at the movie, I could see like all the holes in the movie. Like I was like. I can make this right right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I can make this right now. Like it doesn't require, it's so, it requires so little, like, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah, why but I, you didn't. And that's the yeah, point. Yeah. 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 You but see? here's the thing though. It, <laughs> you know, a lot of other people have made skin and Marink, but they just didn't, they didn't go through the channels that the, the filmmaker did, you know, by submitting it at the time that he did to fantastic fest, getting the right person to champion it you know, getting plugged into that machine so they can mark, so they can get like a, 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 a film publicist for it. You know, that's like that, that stupid ass Winnie the Pooh movie that you guys, you just saw. like all they did was the only reason that that movie was uh, even talked about to the degree that it was, was because they had a publicist. Like, so the moment that that movie was, I remember them talking about it, it like it was getting like deadline Hollywood articles 
before the movie was even anybody even saw it like there was a whole like there was already marketing dollars allocated for it to be out there in the public view because plenty of people could have made a winnie the pooh slasher like and no one would have cared no one Mm. would have gave a fuck there would have been no articles about it it would have got released on tubi and maybe you know weird motherfuckers would have found it you know maybe i would have did an episode on it on mutual aberration society (laughs) or some shit but but you know but we wouldn't it wouldn't have the sort of reach that like that movie has and i feel like it's the same thing uh, when it comes to skin marink and the outwaters both which is the other movie that had a similar thing where it's like it gets picked the outwaters. up outwaters i haven't seen i haven't heard yeah, anything it's the about second it's the other one where i got hyped and made a whole bunch of uh money with a limited theatrical uh basically the same kind of thing it's a found footage movie right but it's like one guy pretty much did everything like he did the effects he edited it he directed it the same kind of thing that's same kind of deal as skin marink right um but again just like Skinner Marink, the movie's like an hour and 50. It's like there's no reason for these movies, these horror movies, to be that fucking long. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're, the, the filmmakers, their pretensions are so, like, evident and on display where you're like, the only reason you guys made this movie uh, as long as you made this movie is because you have a, you have a, a, a sense of delusion about, your, about the movie or about yourself or whatever – you know, like where you believe that this movie needs to be this long when it's like you're just making a dumb horror movie like yeah. and that's fine. Yeah, that's OK. When you when you know that, then you can like exploit that and make it the best that it can be. Like, I feel like these 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 filmmakers specifically have like a sense of over an overinflated sense of like, I don't know, like or maybe they think they're above the genre. You know what I mean? That might be another thing, like because you got a lot of people like that where they're like. Uh, I'm above I'm above the genre, but I'm a horror person, which is the difference, right? We talked about that too. Yeah. Like, like that's the difference between uh, some of these filmmakers who have made these sort of like very iconic movies, uh, horror films, like the the like guys like I don't know, uh, Wes Craven or John Carpenter or whoever. Like they always were making it for, or, or, or Brian De Palma. Mm-hmm. Like you're always making these movies with the sense of like, yeah, but I'm not a horror movie guy, mm-hmm. right? But now there's this weird kind of filmmaker who exists who's like has a similar attitude but they're like but i am a horror movie person so they have this weird like i don't know if you want to call it a some sort of like uh i don't know it's like a it's a disorder it's like it's like you 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 hate yourself but you love yourself simultaneously because they 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 understand the cultural like uh current cultural cachet to be sort of like a horror person because we live in a post jordan peele era Right. Where it's like, it's now cool. A24 and Jordan Peele, they've made uh, it cool to be like a horror person. But these people, if they were making movies back in the 90s or the early 2000s, they probably would make better movies because they would just hate horror movies and just make them with that. But now they're like, I hate them, but I love them. And it's like, no, you you really just you don't. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Well, that's what I mean. that's something that we talked about in a couple, I don't know if it was a couple of episodes ago, uh, where it, it feels like if you think of yourself as a horror person that you're not allowed to dislike the horror movie, even if it's mm. a piece of shit. So you're supposed to say something positive about it, even if it's a Christmas, bloody Christmas piece yeah. of shit movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, and I used to consider myself a horror person because I grew up in the 90s and the early yeah, 2000s. Yeah, yeah. But recently, I could just... I, I don't even know if I can even call myself that anymore because I like can't remember the last horror movie that I actually enjoyed where it just didn't feel like, all right, this is rushed or just 
very dumb for no reason or for convenience uh, of this of the story or just I, I I don't know if I was spoiled with uh those movies that are not even that great but at least they feel honest and they feel like they're going for something and and now it's just it just feels like it's people like you said uh either being ironic or like not serious or like oh, this is a horror movie but it's not actually it's like I'm not you know it's horror but not really horror and then you have all these vlogs and all these horror people online that you know oh, well it's a horror movie so we have to praise it we have to say it's great we, yeah there's a whole infrastructure to mm -hmm. support these very like shitty movies and make sure that they get an 85 percent on rotten tomatoes yeah. no matter yeah. what now with, with skinema rank i don't know there's just something about it you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of those giant red mega man boots that are popular right now in 1800 dollars oh. That's Astro Boy. Astro Boy. Astro Boy, Boy yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Mega Man. Uh, it's that oh, kind of thing yeah. where it's, it's like. It's still Japanese, but yeah. <laughs> it's all the same. Yeah, it, yeah it's. Uh, Mega Man's Japanese. It, it feels like it's derivative in one way, but kind of creating something different and new. And so I think with something like Skinema Rink, even if I look at it as a technical failure, because I had the same thing where I was watching, I was like, did they just use the clone tool in Photoshop and then add film grain and they didn't yes. think they... I posted that missing toilet so many fucking times. Um, and it, they, they took bits of the wall, they took bits of the tile floor. It's like, this is junior Photoshop mistakes. Like I was doing this in 2015 or something when I didn't know how to use the clone tool or like, And it's so uh, simple know, opacity. that like, honestly, like really, he could have just found a corner and bought and, and got a whole toilet like and just put it there. And then moved it, it, it and mm -hmm. you couldn't tell like they, like and just take the toilet back after you shot like you just mm -hmm. go to lowe's buy a whole toilet unit set it there and just shoot light it shoot it then move it like i guess that and return it yeah you, and you can even it. return the toilet yeah, yeah that's it like, <laughs> it's america <laughs> right like, take that shit back you didn't you didn't hook it up or take a shit in it right so go ahead and yeah take it back. <laughs> That's a much better. I don't. I didn't even think of that to be honest. With you. That's a way better idea. Uh, but I, I think there's going to be a net positive here because there's so little that happens in Skinema Rank, and the payoff is so minimal that if there are more movies that are greenlit like this, and it seems like that's going to be the direction of things now. I'm seeing they're going to do a backrooms movie, um, and I think it's going to be all these like the payout. To yeah, they're they're going to keep doing these very. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Hold on. I'm almost there. God damn it. It's your fan. Oh, well, you got your fan face. in the background too, so you can't do like a full transparent background. Um, they're gonna keep doing these there movies. Go. Oh fuck. Yeah. Right. Oh wow. Well. Uh, I almost got it. God. This is a great visual gag for anyone yeah. who's watching the video. Adrian. But if you're on Spotify, you're kind of fucked this is right definitely now. Definitely the type of like this is the the level of like effect effects work that was in skin yeah. mm -hmm. so. <laughs> more effort uh, yeah, more a little bit more effort yeah, yeah. <laughs> i moved my fan i work harder than that yes yeah, so you actually had lighting for your shot <laughs> um, yeah there's actually lights but yeah i i think we're gonna see more of these types of movies come out that have like very small but and then you know they'll probably inflate the budget it'll probably be like a million five or something for something that looks the exact same way because uh, they'll figure out a reason to use fucking Indian uh, graphic designers or special effects artists or something. I don't know. Um, but I, I still see it as like a net positive because it means we're at least cruising away from the meta irony, LOL horror genre that we've got that's so uh, prominent right now. Well, here's the thing. And uh, we we can definitely come back to Park Chan-wook's movie, but uh, <laughs> if we want, if we want to, uh, uh, 
one of the reasons why I'm so like vocal about my criticisms of the horror of horror, the horror community, if you want to even call it a community, um, is because while some of the things that we've been saying um, in, in terms of like how it works now, in terms of like the way these people sort of like champion these movies, even though they're shitty and there's a whole sort of uh, there's a whole like mechanism in place now where people are sort of like trying to sort of uh, prop up these movies and give them reviews and not say bad things about them. And that's in, that's the whole, that's Hollywood in general, right? That's something mm -hmm. that like all the industry does already. Like, so it's just them just sort of like doing what is what they already do. But the reason that I like criticize the horror community so much is because that traditionally and historically is the genre or the space where the, the outcasts are supposed to be, where the people mm -hmm. that are supposed to be sort of like, uh, if there is a counterculture in film, right? You would hope it would exist in that genre. Like you would, the people that have like the sort of uh, perspectives in the, uh, are making the art that's supposed to be like pushing the envelope or doing things that are upsetting, it's supposed to exist there. But no, they just want to be like, they just want to continue the whole Hollywood sort of like, you know, glad handing, you know, I don't, I can't say nothing bad about this movie because they're even, it's, it's weird because it's infected even the fans. Like I understand, yeah. like on, on some level, I understand some of the filmmakers because they're, they're like, they want careers, right? They want careers as much as I think that's some weak shit. I still at least understand it. But when I see the fans doing it, they've gotten the fans to sort of accept yeah. that too. This idea, that's that's where the whole uh, let people enjoy things narrative came from. Mm, yeah. Was this idea that like, how dare you criticize a movie even if it's a piece of dog shit? Let people enjoy things. It's like, mm. no, actually, no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no. Uh, actually, whether or not you enjoy something, that's like, if we are not allowed to dislike anything, if we're not allowed to to say things are bad then how do we know what's good like mm -hmm. in order for you to measure something like quality there needs to be something to contrast it against and if that's no if that no longer exists then like what it's just all that's what that's where we're at now like mm -hmm. where it's just this bland like just complete like dog shit everywhere you look you know what i mean where it's 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 yeah it's it's like it's like going it's like the cat one of those crazy cat ladies houses you just go in and it's just shit piles everywhere just everywhere you see it's, shit like all over it's just it's <laughs> the same that happened with comic books too right mm -hmm. they're supposed to be the outcasts like the weirdos like mm -hmm. the the people that you're you know you're on your home all day reading comics instead of socializing and being a normal person and as soon as it became more mainstream and i, I mean that's why that industry is slowly dying right because you you uh leave that corner of uh the weirdos and the, the the that target audience and you try to make it for everyone but it's not really a medium for everyone right but when you try when you try to make it become that and then have the same sensibilities that an, a show on abc would have you know don't be offensive with anyone and, and you have to include everyone otherwise you know how dare you make anything that's not completely inclusive with modern day standards of other industries is when these things start dying and i 
as a horror movie fan, I kind of wish that would start happening because that would just bring it back to its origins. Once they stop making profit, then you're not going to have uninteresting people making these movies just yeah. for the money, right? Right. But because of what you said, uh, the fans have become more mainstream, I guess. So it's more of a, no, we have to be supportive, even if it's, hey, that uh, Scream movie, Scream 6 in New York, that looks awesome, right? That looks so great. That looks just, <laughs> I don't even like any of the Scream movies because I've, I've only seen a couple and I didn't enjoy them, but... But is that <laughs> but but it's that thing of like this is not where they started, right? But now, you know, because it's a recognized is the what's up face from, from the scary movies movies, right? So uh yeah. it's an icon, so now you have to just make it for everyone. And that's yeah. where you start losing where it came from, even though you know uh the the ghost ghost face that's what it's called, right? The character yeah, ghost face yeah. the killer, yeah it's it's not um uh, it doesn't have the same origins as something like uh friday 13 or, or nightmare on the street because when it came out you know that would that genre was already more mainstream and, and what is it west craven right west craven directed it but yeah kevin williamson wrote the script you know what's interesting about the scream series and uh, i forgot who yeah. i heard somebody say this and it made me think about it and it was true it rang true to me which is it's the one sort of horror franchise where the the it's like we, you, you have a killer, right? You have the, the the killer who wears the fucking scream mask. The killers, right? They they've all, since the first movie they've established is always more than one person. But it's the one like horror, like iconic horror bad guy who changes every time, and and like the 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 actual victims come back. It's usually the reverse with all these other movies. You know, like Michael Myers, and he's always coming back killing new people, you know, except for Jamie Lee Curtis for some reason, even though he has killed her in the past, but whatever. Fucking, uh, you know, Freddy Krueger, you know, killing new, you know, victims. It's like with Scream, it's like, no, the, the killers always get killed, and it's usually the, the the cast comes back. Whatever surviving, you know, people who survived the the, the last film come back in the new one. Um, so that's kind of an interesting aspect to the Scream series, like where it's like kind of built in. It's kind of built differently, like just in that regard. So I've always kind of had a partiality to the Scream movies, even though I do kind of think like the last Scream movie was, you know, it's whatever. It's I hated it. I, everyone said it was great too. And I was kind I of like, like, I, like I, I like the first four Scream movies. That one though, um, just did not do it for me. And I'll tell you what, I might actually go watch this new Scream 6. Cause I, I like it. I, I like that like... it's in New York. I do me think too. That that was, yeah. I think that is cool. But I do know, I do know a little bit about like some stuff behind the scenes. Uh, I have a I have a screenwriter friend of mine who's in LA and um, his wife edited the first one in their house. Um, she was the editor on it. She didn't come back for this one, uh, but uh, I know that they saw. He he told me about the new one, so he actually saw the new one himself. Mm -hmm. He's already he's already saw the early one. Um, but I just know a lot about like uh, behind the scenes with like what's interesting about that movie again is you got are you familiar with the directors? The directors were uh, they're like a duo. They they're called Radio Silence. They used to be called Radio Silence before. No, they started you know, working. didn't they do uh, what was it? Ready, Ready or Not? That yeah, they did Ready or Not. Um, right. Well, here's the thing that's interesting about that movie uh, is the guy who wrote it, James Vanderbilt, um, is like a of uh, he's a veteran screenwriter. And when I say veteran, like he's one of those guys. He's written so many fucking movies, so many scripts, had million dollar 
spec sales. Like I think his White House, the White House Down movie. I think James Vanderbilt wrote that and sold that for like a million or some shit. Like he's been around forever. Like James Vanderbilt has a long list of credits. Well, um, he had more when, when they made that movie, right? When they made when James Vanderbilt came aboard, right? I don't know, Hans is looking at the credits like, oh my God. Yeah, no, <laughs> I recognize his name from Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, one yeah, and Van- two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Vanderbilt's got a long career. He's been paid a lot of money to write a lot of movies over the years. But um, Vanderbilt had way more pull and way more clout than the Radio Silence guys. So it's one of those weird scenarios and situations where uh, that usually doesn't really happen. Where you have a movie being made and James Vanderbilt has a lot more say than the fucking directors. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? To the yeah. point where, like, if you look at who wrote that screen movie it's james vanderbilt and his friend some guy that had no credits like he just was like no my my guy is gonna write this with me like like you know what i'm saying like like because he could do that and then and obviously like when there was literal pushback uh about things that were being done in the movie he could literally tell the directors like no do it this way um for better or for worse it's very interesting though. That's usually not how it works in Hollywood. No, Hollywood it's usually is usually like far screenwriters from like they're like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but uh not in this case. Yeah. James Vanderbilt just had more clout than than those directors. So I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if uh writing the story for the Castle Rock TV show <laughs> is what I would say no credits. Uh, uh apparently he executive produced the Suspiria remake. That's I think that's interesting. Well, uh, he's I mean, got Zodiac under his belt. I mean, you talking about his the the guy the guy that's his friend that he no. hired? No, he did Castle Rock. That's it. No, James Vanderbilt was the one that produced. Uh... Oh, yeah, I was supposed to say. That's what I'm saying. Like the guy that like the guy the co-writer with the scream like is literally like didn't really have much of any credit to his name, you know, like uh, in features for sure. Uh, and like he was writing the scream movie. Why? Because James Vanderbilt was like, yeah, me and him are writing it. <laughs> like, cause that was this dude. Like. Uh, so there might actually be a chance for this Scream movie is what I'm hearing. Because, again, I, I did not uh, take to that Scream 5 at all. So if there's, like, mm-hmm. a different voice attached to that that might be guiding that, I'm a little more interested. I like the I like the visual look of Scream in New York. I think that's very cool. Kind of like Dead Presidents when yeah. they're in the oh convenience store. I like that. But Yeah. It's interesting because, like, the Scream movies have been so Kevin Williamson-driven, even though he was not directing them. But, right. like, they were so much... You know, Dawson's his, Creek, very yeah, Dawson's it was, Creek. Yeah, it was so much his voice. You know what I mean? That, that was that. That was like kind of behind, even with Wes Craven directing the first couple. Like it was still very much a Kevin Williamson kind of uh, movie. And now they got Vanderbilt. It's almost like, yeah, whatever flaws or criticisms that it may or may not have, it's probably that's probably the main like ingredient. That's like you know what I mean? It's like it's just it's not what you typically. And maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. I really wasn't that a big a big a fan of that last scream myself either. So, and the trailer, oh. the trailer for the new one, I will say, uh, I was feeling like the guys on the subway with the scream mask and shit, the ghost face mask. But like the dialogue of uh, Courtney Cox, that moments where they showed her, t- I was like, that is, it was just atrocious. It was ho- it was horrendous. Yeah, she's kind of <laughs> in the cycle where it's yeah. like the Connors without Roseanne, you know, cause what they couldn't get, um, Nev Campbell back and they killed yeah. off David Arquette. So it's just like, you're, they should have killed the Dewey off a long time ago. Bro. He should have <laughs> died like you, the first or they, second. They made movie. the biggest mistake by killing fucking, uh, 
Jamie fucking Kennedy uh, and keeping Dewey. Because Jamie Kennedy was the one that was, like, giving the rules. And, and like, they should have just kept his goofy ass and killed Dewey, you know. Because Dewey yeah. was basically, like, retarded. Like he's And he would have been so cheap to get compared to the rest of them at this point mm -hmm. in his life. He does some podcast or something where I think he was, like, talking to the Babylon Bee. And I don't know. <laughs> they did uh they did some movie called Buddy Hutchins that I just discovered kind of recently. And it was marketed in Germany as a sequel to Falling Down and given the title Falling Down Again. <laughs> so that's Jamie that's Kennedy's whole, career. You know, that's right a whole now. genre, like in and of itself, like uh, Falling Down knockoffs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, that's become one of my, um, actually, that's like pretty much every school shooting, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we live in that. At this point, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, guys. Uh, Jamie Kennedy seems to be doing pretty good. Uh, a couple of years ago, he did a movie called Roe versus Wade with uh, John Voight. John Voight, right? Yeah. Stacy Dash and oh Nick shit. Oh, he entered the Nick conservative Quintes. film. <laughs> <laughs> the cons conservative no, film industry. Nope. Uh, Joy Lawrence is in it. Uh, Robert Davies in it, who was from from my who we've talked son. about on this show before, from My Son Hunter, a classic film yeah. of 2022. Steve Gutenberg's in it. William Forsythe. Where's um? Where's fucking um? Kevin Sorbo. Roger Stone. <laughs> Roger Stone is in it. <laughs> Got all yeah. Does he play oh, himself? Gosh. Fucking uh, no. where's um? Where's fucking Moldbug? Where's he at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well fucking no, uh, he plays a guy called uh, Larry Ladder, and uh, let me just show you what he looks like. Larry Ladder. Yeah, 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 please, please. I want to see the poster to this Roe vs. Wade movie. I'm so glad that John Voight gets to like end his life with dignity by doing Megalopolis. Uh, that's like the one real movie he's gotten in fucking 25 years. It's so sad to like see him on Twitter reading a teleprompter. Uh, where he's like, Biden is evil. This country <laughs> is good. And I said, oh, John, you got to get rid of some people in your circle, I think. How can you be so hard up for money to, to be doing this? Uh, okay, I got the... What do we got, Hans? Here. Okay. Third build for Jamie Kennedy. Wow, that's a that's a big deal. Cor you, you left out Corbin Burnson? I don't know <laughs> Joey Lawrence. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Okay. And uh and that's uh that's Jamie. In it, so. <laughs> oh no. Oh, holy shit. He did not age yeah. well. God yeah. damn. <clears throat> that's rough. This I'm, is like reading I'm... that reading those names on that poster. It's like it's like uh, I get the same feeling as like going to like the 9/11 memorial and reading the names <laughs> of the fallen. <laughs> people who died it's like it's like just corpses <laughs> like careers uh it's yeah this is like a dancing with the stars lineup this is <laughs> i'm i wonder if it's the same uh director my son hunter people involved in this could be the same production company i just heard that nick pizzolato's western got picked up by by amazon, amazon. yeah yeah which means Daily Wire blew it. Daily Wire was trying to get that, and guess it didn't work out. At least they have. I think they're doing Atlas Shrugged as a series. Of course, of course they are. <laughs> That'll be as on brand. <laughs> mm -hmm. Atlas, Iron Rand, of course. Um, fucking, uh, I don't know that this was. 
Are I they still like... doing? They're still doing things. Daily Word. They're still uh... yeah, trying to do movies. I mean, I I, I like the shut in the shut in script. Like I remember when before it got like Melanie Toast. I remember when that was a script and then people were like hyped over it. And I was like, it's not a bad thriller script. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't watch the movie, even though I I was tempted to watch it because I was like, oh, Vincent Gallo's back. I was like, let me go watch it. But I still haven't. Um, it's all right. I mean, it, it's kind of like uh, you, know, you remember <laughs> the Family Channel back in the '90s. It, it felt like a yeah. movie made for the Family Channel. Um, and yes. you know, there's some things about it that I think are good. Like I, I, I had a very mixed, not really negative, but just very mixed opinion on it when it dropped. Cause I was like, this is huge that Vincent Gallo has come out of retirement from acting for the first time in 10 years. And it's just kind of like a very standard, you can tell they like cleaned up a lot of shit from the script and from everything mm-hmm. else. And he's like a pedophile in it, but he doesn't do yeah. anything like particularly yeah. pedophilic. So it just kind of seems like he's lit on fire for no reason. That yeah. script was supposed to be directed by Jason Bateman. It was up at uh, New Line for like five or six years. Mm-hmm. So it could have been very different. But that movie, I think, is like a solid six. out of, And that's like being generous. Maybe it's like five. Mm-hmm. Terror on the Prairie, I think, was a better, more cohesive movie. But it wasn't particularly memorable because was it's like that, all was that, one... in, was that done with Cinestate too? Yeah. Okay, so well, Bonfire Legend, which is their rebrand, which is right? their re- yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So was, was Gina Carano is not a great actress to like lead your movie. A Cowboy Serrano was far better. Shockingly, I was <laughs> stunned that he was like the best actor in the fucking movie. Um, and that one was, I, I think, done a little bit better. But the thing is, uh, their movies, I don't think, drew any sort of subscription bump or maybe people bowed out after a while i don't know how they measure these things and it doesn't seem like that is on the docket anymore they were going to do another movie too that was going to be written by the screenwriter of the hitcher eric red i think is his name yeah eric red and yeah. it sounded yeah. like a straight up ripoff of the hitcher just you know what's interesting swapped. about you guys know about eric red right i don't think i don't know anything about eric red except okay he wrote so the hitcher. eric red is a very interesting character that's not his real name for one um but he he wrote a bunch of shit like obviously he wrote uh near dark mm. like he wrote he did he, he did write the original hitcher he wrote and directed bad moon he had like a run during that like 90s era but like eric red had this incident where he killed some people um where he he ran his car into like an outside like sitting area like where people were like at a cafe eating and shit Mm -hmm. and he was just driving and it wasn't like one of those things where like he was like not looking like no he just drove his car in intentionally into a bunch of people and then his defense when he went to court for it was like some weird pseudo uh ailment or it was called like sickle sickle fucking i forget the i forget the actual name of it right but it's so fucking weird that like this shit happened and then like he sort of like disappeared and then like just kind of resurfaced like but living in like the middle of nowhere like Montana or something and like he's writing books and shit and like uh and he's just like back to like trying to do movies again but like he literally just like had a a, a psychotic episode where he decided to kill people in a fashion that was very similar to how Yeah, I was going to say did he tie hitcher. a woman to two cars? Yeah, yeah, it was very, it was very it, was, it was almost like he was like like uh doing some shit from the hitcher in real life and it's like one of those things that like 
when you look into the story, it's fucking bizarre. It's like, yeah, that is crazy. Cause the books he wrote are mm. about like homicide on the road too. <laughs> and that's presumably after, cause it's all kind of recent. It's all like the past five or 10 years, mm. they were going to do an adaptation of one of his books. That's very peculiar. I didn't know anything about that. It's fascinating though. Yeah. It's fucking weird, but that's Hollywood. Yo, that's, this is a lot of weird. This movies. makes sense why he's at daily wire, I guess. Mm. That's yeah. The... Because yeah, because of that, like, mm -hmm. uh, that being said, like, it's interesting because Daily Wire, <clears throat> I just don't feel like they know what the fuck they're doing. Like, I, I just, I just don't think they, they don't, it's like, Wire, like, if you're supposed to be, like, alternative to Hollywood, right, then why wouldn't you be producing movies that are literally a true alternative to the things that are being put out? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, to make a movie like Terror on the Prairie, it's like, how is that? that different other than they put gina carano in it like because she got you know kicked off of store yeah. like but it's like it just seemed like a movie that would have came out through hollywood like you know what i mean like yeah like what is what is what are you how are you positioning yourself as the alternative but then like the stuff that you've put out thus far that's so, not like that's not like a sort of over overtly political document uh, documentary right like if the movies are just like the same kind of shit like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there has to be elements or perspectives or styles to the movies that they put out that that clearly uh, draw some sort of, like, distinction from ho the Hollywood studio movies. Right. Like, the move they, should have been hiring Vincent Gallo to direct Shut In. Yeah. yeah. That would have been the right, the correct move. But instead, what they do is they they seem to want to mass produce all these like female lead like yeah it's a girl picking up a gun and fighting back movies and it's just like that's hide fight <laughs> yeah it, that that's yeah. on every streaming service there's no discernible difference between what you just made for like three films mm -hmm. and anything else that's out there so and they were plucking scripts from like the same pool of scripts like you know what i'm saying like i said like the melanie toe script was going around already so like if you're just grabbing the same shit that like is coming through the same channels, which is, you know, agents, reps mm -hmm. taking these scripts around, taking the studios, the same shit, right? If you're just, if you're grabbing from that same pool, it's going to be the same exact shit. And well, like, they had, my, they had a chance, sorry, they, they had a chance to grab scripts from a different pool, but uh, they left that chance go and they uh, did, they said, and, uh, no, thank and, you. Yeah. Well, that, well, that was, but hold on. That was actually before, Daily Wire acquired Bonfire Legend, but there were some yeah. scripts that well, uh, so they, had a, they had a they had a proper. script, a low res, a low res script. <laughs> yeah. They had yeah, to, yeah. They yeah, had see, that's two, what I mean, though. The Me Too came out, and that was that was <laughs> it. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, like they, if I don't know, like just the way it's set up now, right? Like the industry, so to speak, is so it is designed to take all of the teeth away from any sort of project with any potential. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and honestly, the people who are in the positions to sort of take a, take a, take a material out and, you know, and put it on the market to like, to the studios or to have, you know, people look like they lack the taste. Like truthfully, like, like my experience with like reps when it comes to like major uh, literary agents and literary managers in Hollywood specifically, it's like, I always I use the same I use the same like comparison all the time. It's like if you ever talk to somebody who's really into CrossFit, 
Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right. The same kind of brain is in like most of the people who are like not only executives, but like literary people. Like you're, you're supposed to be a literary, uh, scare quotes, literary manager or a literary agent. So like that means that you're supposed to have a discernible taste when it comes to sort of like the stuff that you take in. But these people don't have taste. Like they're just suits. They're just people who like, you know, they come in and they're like, they're looking at trends and, and sort of what, what the market is. Like they're like, well, you know, like for example, that stupid ass Megan movie came out, right? And I think it did it did well. Yeah, right? yeah. So now that's the Dude. new that's the new thing. They're like, well, you know, they're looking for uh, fucking, you know, whatever. If 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 Scream comes out, uh, this like was March 9th or whatever, Scream and it does well, which is anticipated. Then then that'll be the next thing that the sort of like the rep you're you know like a lot of screenwriters out there who are who are represented. That's what their fucking their representation will be telling them like, oh, we need. Scream's doing well, so you need a script that's a slasher with a female lead and da da da. And like, and and most of the screenwriters that I know, like, um, unfortunately, like, basically work for their manager or their agent or both, which is not supposed to be that way, but mm. that's what it is. Like, I know screenwriters right now who have who are on their like fifth or sixth script, like that they've written based on what their fucking managers told them, like based on the market mm -hmm. and then the manager will read it and be like, nah, let's just do something else. And they'll go like five or six, 10 scripts deep waiting for this person's approval. And it's like, wait a minute, hold the fuck up. Like, like you're, I'm, I'm supposed to be your client, but you're supposed to like work for me. Like you get, yeah. a, you get a percentage of this, of my, like, if we, if we make a sale or whatever, like you get 10%, like what's this weird reversal of like the screenwriter working for you. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, fuck that. Like most of the people that I know, like doing screenwriting, like they're like, are, are, are they're wasting their time uh, doing sort of uh, open writing assignment gigs, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with the open writing assignment gig, uh, where, where it's like, okay, so the studios will have a whole bunch of uh, what they call open writing assignments, where it's like, they want a movie about fucking Peter Pan, right? Or a young, or an older Peter Pan. Okay, so that's an open writing assignment. Like Warner Brothers wants that, or fucking whatever, and they'll just have writers will come in and just pitch, and they'll they'll do they'll they'll take all their they'll take all the time to like do these elaborate like they'll make lookbooks, they'll have a whole practice pitch, they'll go in, they'll pitch it, and they'll be like, yeah, sorry, and that person's like dedicated hours, days, weeks, right, and they'll do that over and over again, and with the hopes that like they'll say yes, and then they'll be able to like hire them and do the fucking job, right, or meanwhile right. like. They, the execs and stuff will just steal the ideas that like they've been pitched. They'll be like, well, I didn't, we don't like that writer, but that idea he brought up. Okay. We'll use that and with the, that, that'll be included in the, 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 the uh, open writing assignment. Yeah. It's there was something that adult swim was doing a while back that mm -hmm. I don't have any proof of this, but certainly seemed a hell of a lot. Like what you're talking about where I think it was called, like it might've just been called on air and they had mm -hmm. one of the development guys and, like some dude who's like a producer on a number of shows that would take a look at people's scripts and you would go on air and first you had to like sign a form because there was a queue of people and you would pitch what you were going to do. And it was just a, a live pitch, but over a live stream and they had the right to toy with your shit if you mm. decided to do that. And it just felt like, well, they're just mining ideas from people. They're just fucking roping it all into this bag right. and these fools aren't going to get a guy. And then they'll pay, thing. they'll pay some guy like James Vanderbilt to do it. Then at that point, they'll yeah. be like, yeah, fuck you. We're going to give James Vanderbilt a whole bunch of money to come in and write. That's how it works. And it's like, uh, yeah, like I just, it's, it's so 
keep that in mind when you think about like the projects getting greenlit or the things that they're being made. Like just even, I'm not even talking about just from like a concept level, just like from a straight script level, like, like it's, it's designed to be garbage. Like it's designed that way. Like it's designed to like most movies, like some things will get a green light based on sort of attachments. Like, you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, just, it doesn't matter if the script is good or the idea is good. Just the fact that like Leonardo DiCaprio is like, I want to, I'm going to do this movie and like mm. fucking name a director who's hot right now, who has some heat. And they want to do the movie. That's enough for them to say, okay, whatever the fucking idea is, who gives a shit? Let's get the ball rolling. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. It's not about that, quality of story or anything like that. Like, it's fucking. Well, that's a, that's my biggest problem with this alternative mm. Hollywood that they market it as, especially this Daily Wire thing, because they feel like like if they're just doing slightly and very slightly edgier uh, Hallmark Channel movies where they just, well, it's a Hallmark Channel movie, but instead of mm. being a romance in Christmas, it's about a brave lady that shoots guns wearing a dress, you know? I think that's and, her new and, movie, the, Brave Lady. That's right. <laughs> brave, that's brave a whole lady genre, the woods. brave lady genre. <laughs> but, but, but the thing is that they market it as, as being the counter Hollywood. And then you watch what they do and just like, this is doesn't have the quality doesn't have the creative minds behind something that will make it look even you know like a real movie uh and then uh it's also a thing of uh it, they're safe right because right wingers and also the left i guess have that same thing that we were talking about with horror fans where if this is a right wing property we have to support it no matter what it is. You know, we have to at least go watch it or go see it like My Son Hunter. You know, it's right. baffling <laughs> to me that that thing. You Hold on. You think people, let, let me made. just ask you, you think people earnestly showed up for My Son Hunter because <laughs> it's like the yes. anti-Joe Biden movie as opposed to people yeah. who checked it out like we checked it out? You know what? You know what? Um, I don't know. You're in you, you're in New York, Lorenz. So, so yeah. you know, but I will say this. Uh, uh, there are there are people who who have that level of like blind allegiance uh, out there. Uh, literally, I was, uh, I, I'm in the Midwest, right? Yeah. And like, I was uh, walking through the neighborhood and uh, I stopped at this person's uh, house because I looked at their doormat and I took a picture of it. Now, um, I'm gonna show you this picture of this doormat. This is a real human. Okay, so the fucking doormat says, notice. And this isn't like, uh, it's got like the red, white, and blue sort of like American flag motif mm -hmm. going. Hell yeah. Notice, the play, this place is politically incorrect. We say Merry Christmas, <laughs> one nation under God, and give thanks to our troops. If this offends you, leave. This is a fucking, this is literally like some shit that's like people like legitimately, <laughs> like there are people out there like that. Like, yeah. it's, you think they're like, again, they're probably NPCs for sure. Like, <laughs> but, but there are literally well, like people like that. Like, you know what I mean? Do you, like, do you think Steven Crowder would be as successful as he is if right. those people didn't exist? Like that's, he's, that's he's a millionaire, Steven, right? He, he makes Crowder's like base. Yeah. Those people are out there. The fucking people that like Ben Shapiro, they're like, those are people. Like there are people that are like <laughs> that operating on that low of a like vibration. Like <laughs> they're fucking out there. So it is one of those things where like, yeah, but guess what though? Like that being said, it's, it exists on the other side too, where it's like, there are certain movies that we know that like get that sort of represent sort of the sort of liberal uh, oh, yeah. kind of uh, what they like to view as, uh, I don't know, uh, the virtues of liberalism. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, 
that like they're just the, the movie is ass, but they're like, it's great. You can't say anything bad about it. It's a great movie. It's the same shit. Like they just don't yeah. see they lack the self-awareness to see like, oh, you're just like the mirror image of the fucking people who would go see my son, my son Hunter. Yeah, you know but I, mean? I guess it, uh, at I least guess my son Hunter was fun, though. I mean, I yeah. look, you bad, look at Terror yeah, on the bad, Prairie. Fun, bad, you're right. right. It's <laughs> Terror on the Prairie had like the production value was on point uh -huh. with everything, but they had like two locations, and it was just it was too long. It was way too long for for what that was and what their means were. My son Hunter was ridiculously retarded and just enjoyable for like most of it most i mean that's that would be like a good live watch um but also i i think the the actual problem with like the daily wire thing is the fact that the people who are in charge of the creative decisions there tried to get into hollywood 15 years ago they wrote scripts for hollywood nobody liked their scripts probably because it's indicative that they don't have very good taste. Mm -hmm. And now they're running this new machine that was never intended for film or television. It was always going to be political commentary, and they seem to have mastered uh, building an audience with that. I mean, actually, their most popular movie has been the What is a Woman documentary. People have like talked about that. It's gotten all like the, the news and the feedback that they wa could have ever wanted with Shut In and Terror on the Prairie. And even like the Candace Owens documentaries runner up to that. Their audience doesn't want anything scripted. They don't care about that. They're not signing up for Daily Wire for that, mm -hmm. but they like these documentaries. Well, those documentaries are scripted. It's just that they, yeah, yeah. they just don't understand that. Like to the, <laughs> like they're like, right. both scripted, but it is. But but yeah, but they want that type of entertainment. But but again, like that's the thing. It's like if you want to look to like an alternative sort of to Hollywood, like just look at the Christian film market. Like, yeah. By the way, like, speaking of scripted, did you see what is a woman? Ryan? Oh, I didn't no, no, no. I haven't seen it. Like I've only oh. heard about it. Like I've only heard like, you know, like like basically at the, at the very end of the movie with the fucking guys with his wife in the kitchen. And oh, God. That was exactly what, what I was going to mention. I was going to say, Matt Walsh is like, you know what? Why don't, why don't I open that jar? And then he opens the jar and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. what is a woman is yeah, a, it's yeah. someone who needs help opening a jar. That was that, the definition. But that's what I mean though. Like if you look at like those Christian movies that do fairly well, they exist pretty much by themselves. Like, you know, the, whatever your alternative sort of, to this is like the problem is they want it both ways mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like they want to be hollywood but like you can't like hollywood is hollywood like if you want to be something that's not then you have to be able to exist don't try to like go in and use that infrastructure like you're gonna have to build from the ground up yeah you have to sort of market to your your sort of audience and that has to be something that you do independent of that system you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I guess I guess that's why it bothers me more that they do it because you you know what you're expecting from Hollywood, right? You know what you're gonna mm -hmm. get. And then they when really want to be part of Hollywood. That's the problem. It's like right. they really want to be it. You know what I'm saying? The, like, and the marketing is no, we're the alternative. And then you watch what they do. It's just like it's just the same thing, but on the other side. Like I mean, even like the effort. the dissident right people that are on Twitter and looked at as like the cool version of that. Uh, typically have like really piss poor takes as far as like television and movies go. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of something I read like today. And I don't, I've never seen Euphoria for the record, but I just read this and I was like, maybe I should watch Euphoria or something. But uh, they, the, the argument that they were making was like, Euphoria is actually not intended to be a piece of entertainment. It's actually intended to normalize Jeffrey Epstein style child trafficking. I was like, oh really? That's uh, that's a very fascinating take to have on Euphoria. 
I mean, maybe, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so, but it's possible. Look, anything's That's possible. That's what made you want to watch it? Yeah, I said, I got to see this. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they, they have... You can watch Euphoria and the feds won't kick your door in. That's right. <laughs> for having it on your hard drive. <laughs> uh, but it, it coincided with this Sam Levinson hit piece where, again, you know, they're doing a show with The Weeknd and Johnny Depp's daughter. And I was like, I already know it, this is not going to be for me. This, this, the Idol, I think it's called, show. It's, it feels like Babylon where it's like guys who have never been to a real party before writing what oh, a party yeah. could be like. That's what I, that's the vibe I get from this show. Yeah, Babylon. I haven't watched Babylon, but uh it looks horrible. But uh uh did you have you did you see that um those Hollywood the Hollywood round table with uh Damien Chazelle? Um I don't where, think so. Where uh and this completely shows you exactly who he is like where it's like they had like Mel Gibson and like Denzel Washington and like a bunch of other people in this round table, right? And they were talking about jobs they had before they got into the business, right? Before they got into Hollywood, before they made it big, right? And like they're naming like actual jobs, like job jobs, like fucking working at a fucking gas station or like doing, you know, like regular ass jobs. And then they get to Damien Chinzel. He's like, I wrote a, a low budget horror movie. And they just, or you just see all of them look at him like, <laughs> Like mm. what the people like you want? I was I was about to I I look I thought Mel Gibson was gonna drop an f bomb on him like <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're gay like you know what I mean like that's why I, the way they looked at him but that's what I'm saying like when you look at a movie like uh, Babylon it just looks like a person who like is making a movie about an era that they have no understanding of and not only that but like a movie where it's gonna have that that annoying presentism that exists in a lot of movies where it's like. Uh, all it's over. a movie that's set in the past, but it adheres to the standards and the uh, mores of now, which is fucking the worst. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how are you woke in the 1920s or whatever the fuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, so I don't know. It maybe it is, but Damien Chazelle is one of those guys who I'm kind of like. I did, I did like Whiplash, but I don't know. That guy's kind of an industry sort of. Yeah, he's just kind of off-putting in a way. I think he's talented. I think, you know, I, I agree. Whiplash is like one of the great films of the last decade. I think La La Land is very good, too. First Man didn't really hook me at all. And then this one, I was like, you've used all your juice up. Like, you have run out. You're, time to, like, go be poor and a fucking loser and have your life well, You know apart. you've run out when you're making movies about making movies. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, like, that's really a bad sign. Like, especially if it's, like, your fourth movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you're yeah. like, and you're, you get the big budget. Now I'm going to make a movie about making movies. It's like, oh, fuck, you're fucked. Like you have nothing else to derive anything from. Like you have to derive it directly from like, you yeah, know. What it's and, like, uh, oh, yeah. wait, no, I was going to, I was going to spoil the ending, but you haven't seen it. Do you care? I don't care. Spoiler. I'm never going to watch okay. it. Okay. So, well, it's not much of a spoiler. It's just, I'm going to end the movie with my main character watching movies and crying while watching, watching Avatar. So he yeah. did his movie like Kevin Smith, basically watching a Marvel movie. Yes, yes, actually, yeah. Uh, and Clerks yeah. Three was the better 2022 film about making movies, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. What was the better 22 film? Uh, Clerks Three, and oh, it, Clerks you know what? 3? I think the critics agree with me. Hans, you want to take a look at this real quick? Sure. Just take a look at first I pull up Babylon. You. I think I would. I'm gonna. St I haven't watched Clerks Three, Clerks Three, but I do plan on at some point watching it. Like I will watch that. The reaction that I've seen with people who who are, have like a, any sort of like fondness to Kevin Smith, even if they like feel he's fallen off, is if you like Kevin Smith for the comedy, they they don't like Clerks Three. They think it's a big old misfire. 
But if you like Kevin Smith for the drama stuff that he's done in the past, he's actually gotten Clerks better at good. drama. Like, in, like, you know what I mean? The com- it's like it's like as he's gotten older, he's gotten worse at the comedy because he still remained at the same frozen yeah, stasis, yeah, yeah, like that Arrested yeah. Development. But he grew in terms of the, his ability to like be dramatic. I think he's better at drama personally. Yeah. yeah. He All right. So, better. so we've got a ninety-three percent audience score. That's kind of crazy. Jesus, uh, Jay yeah. looks worse. Yo, Jay looks way worse than Kevin, and that's saying some holy shit. <laughs> at least Jay's face looks full here. If you take a look at any other photo, he's just teeth. It's just veneers. It's really rough. They, I mean, they all look oh. bad. Hey, they, God, this is kind of sad. It is. That's so, you yeah. Know, this is kind of sad to look at them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, wow. Holy shit! They're not gonna do it. Can't believe one. there's no pictures of his teeth. Good. <laughs> good. Yeah. Well, Babylon has a uh, definitely not as good. as Aha! Right. All right. Yeah. See, my opinion is the popular opinion. Everyone agrees with me. Uh, I've, this seen, is good. I've seen people. The only people I've seen praising Babylon are usually like Hollywood people that I kind of know. People that are like industry adjacent. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone I know who lives in L.A. likes Babylon. Everyone else yeah. has or everyone who Babylon. wants a career in, <laughs> in mm-hmm. Hollywood. They're like, oh, Babylon's amazing. It's like, yeah. No, Anyone who romanticizes Hollywood, I think, mm-hmm. will just be inclined to tr- find something that they appreciate about Speaking Babylon. Speaking of which, I, I feel like this is a good point to address uh the gary doberman uh conversation (laughs) (laughs) because i've heard episodes i've listened i listen to movies and i I know that you have a uh uh, a problem with with oh yeah he comes up let me just say at least once every five ten episodes just i know gary yeah i know gary doberman okay i i you know i haven't talked to him in a while um but i know him uh in fact when i moved to la uh he let me he let me use him and his wife's uh west side rentals account to fucking try to find a place when i was staying. oh wow fucking and then like he we went and got a beer once and, and and like we had the same management briefly uh uh i will say this about gary doberman um i don't know you've never read a gary doberman script right never no I, I probably uh you know what i i've read his uh touch up on it mm. 2017 the Kerry Fukunaga draft, the, the, that one. Yeah, yeah, when it's, I read every single draft of that for a video series. I, I did. will say this, Gary, in terms of like his ability to write an entertaining script, he's very he can write an entertaining script. Like he's one of the better. Like his scripts typically are one of the better scripts to read. That being said, some of his scripts are super generic. Like, but I I blame like and I told you this a little bit when we on DM. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of blame where he's working like in the people he's working with like he's working with like james wan and shit when you're like and then like uh that sort of whole you know atomic monster in the studio and all that other shit where it's like he's you're kind of like you're gonna have to like try and incorporate really bad ideas if you want to work at the level he's working at um and i read his draft for the nun and i was like yo this is completely generic but i would say gary is a lot better writer than 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 you're I give it. Like, yes, I get it. You're judging the movies. Mm. I get I it. Mean, yeah, <laughs> but, I'm but sure he's not a, a bad a, writer at all. As a writer, he's a nice guy. I, I hear you. I, no, that's, that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take the nice guy shit out of it. Take the nice guy shit out of it because we haven't talked in a long time. So it's like whatever. But 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 I'm not even talking about. It. I'm just talking about like legitimately. Like because I read. I I hate reading scripts, but I've read plenty of scripts in my life to the point where I try not to read them at all. But he can like write like a script like his scripts like if you read his script you'd be like well this is entertaining like at least like at least this is not at least i'm not snoring mm-hmm. so like he does have an ability to write now he's starting to direct he obviously directed an, that annabelle movie and he's got the 
Salem's Lot. Yeah, movie. I'm hoping you're right for that Salem's Lot movie. That's one of my favorite books, favorite properties, and it's all on his shoulders there. But there's like no update on. I'm not on quite sure. Out. Like again, like I'm not quite sure. Like the jury's still out on him as a director. I feel like he's this will be his like second movie, right? Mm, I think so. Um, I know he. I know he was like a showrunner for like that Swamp Thing series. I know he yeah. wrote. Uh, he wrote. I read the pilot for that, um, and I was like, "Yeah, this is not bad." I, again, like I just feel like, I just feel like he's again. Like, there's a lot of people that have. I have criticisms too for all those movies. Trust me, I do. But just knowing a little bit about like sort of like the way that shit works behind the scenes, I'm like, a lot of times it's like the fact that you even get a movie that's not com- a complete dog turd is probably like amazing. Like mm-hmm. to the degree that like like if you get two out of out of that a year, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> like, well, he's got he's got he's got none. So I, I think uh... <laughs> that's pretty amazing. I'm not even talking about Gary now. I'm I'm just talking about in general. Like, oh, you know okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm talking about in general. Yeah. I'm not talking about Gary specifically, but yeah. Like I mean, I can I can see uh, where you're coming from. I because... can't even call Gary my friend. I won't even call Gary my friend. Like I'm not even saying he's my friend. It's not like we don't communicate enough for it to be a friendship. I'm just simply saying from I do know him, I have met him, and I've also read his scripts. So I just know like from the script level, I'm like, he's not bad. Like he can write. It's just he's just his earlier mm-hmm. scripts are way better. And like the stuff, like he had a script that got made about uh I forget the name of it. It was about a guy in a wall. Like he was like like a kind of not like a bad boy bubby. I don't know if you know about bad boy bubby or not. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. uh, but but <laughs> it sounds like I know. <laughs> uh uh so you know what, you know, I'm gonna say this too. Uh I gave uh, Lorez a bunch of movies that like list of movies to like, uh, what were we going to talk about? And he was like, well, you know, Lorez said, well, Hans, you know, Hans, you got to keep it kind of current. But then I'm like, Hans watched like fucking, um, what movie did Hans mention that he watched? He watched the fucking very uh, esoteric Japanese movie about uh, not Ebola. That's a Chinese, what Ebola syndrome. No, what's the one? Uh, Men Behind the Sun. Oh yeah, watch, yeah, yeah. I'm like Hans yeah, is yeah, watching yeah. shit like Men Behind the Sun. Like that's not that's a pretty deep cut. You gotta yeah, that's mm-hmm. a pretty that's not like a normal movie. So I mean, I gotta give Hans a little credit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I feel like the movies that uh get made on the studio level are this is Bad Boy Bad Boy Bubby. Uh, I've never heard of this. It's, yeah, you it's... need to watch this. You need to watch this movie. It's, it's really. <laughs> You need to watch gross. this movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucked up. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, my experience with Gary Dowerman is limited to just simply watching his movies. But I read the here's, I mean, what I only know of him directly as a screenwriter is I read the Carrie Fukunaga drafts, and I was like, all right, wow, that's like, this would be like a cool art film. Mm. And then we get to the Gary Dowerman draft where he takes the lead with that, and it's all thrown out, and you get like a very generic version of it kind of like what you're talking about here where it's just like it's well, very got, like mainstream in, audience right they brought him in to do that mm-hmm. they were like this carry shit like once i guess fukunawa he, that probably happened i don't did that did gary get attached to that why carry was still attached to direct it yes uh so carry carry fukunaga was slated to direct that i feel like in like right around the time he was doing true detective and then gary dowerman's draft might have been 2015 See, but this is what I'm saying. So, 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 like, what likely happened was, you know, Kerry Fukunaga was attached. He wrote the script. You know, the execs were like wanted their input, 
and they they so they were like fuck it we need to hire another writer uh they hired gary they probably talked Carrie into saying like we're gonna bring a guy in to help you get this along or whatever and immediately of course they used the screenwriter that they brought in to fucking completely undercut mm-hmm. that shit and Carrie fukunaga probably walked right but gary dobberman was probably brought in specifically because they're like hey we we trust you gary can you make this a movie that we want you to make it you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah that original mandate. draft was more like even though i do Clark like that film. first it i do like the first one i thought the second one was kind of it's all over the place yeah, yeah people have like because of jack the perfume nationalist he's mm-hmm. a big fan of it chapter two so people have like tried i think to, like, i think that jack is just it. i think that jack is just being a contrarian with being a contrarian with with chapter two with it chapter two specifically i feel like he's just like you know what I'm about to fuck. I'm about to fuck y'all up. I like. It. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I I'm about to make. I'm about to make a bunch of people pretend they like these movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And yeah. he's just gonna watch as all the people get on board. Like, watch, mm-hmm. watch. I'm gonna make these motherfuckers like this bullshit. <laughs> it takes so little effort too. You will see Which, a domino effect if he says. If he says like, you know, actually, uh, season two, episode four of Beverly Hills 90210 is is kind of filmic. It's like a masterpiece. You will then see people echoing that in a see, circle we'll see, on Twitter. Well, Jack has to be very careful. He, he doesn't want to abuse use that power because if he does it too many times then people he'll lose it you know what i'm saying mm. so he has to be very selective about that shit. right you tread He's over the, the wrong bridge where... people yeah. won't trust your opinion anymore they go wait yeah. a minute hold on a second let's just let's hit the brakes on this what are you talking about this is good he hasn't i don't think he's done that to date Mm-hmm. But there, I think it. If it, if he was so adamant about it, like it, chapter two, and people had a very strong opinion about it, instead of just forgetting about it, that could be something. Yeah, I, I, I do think that like it does show kind of like he does have a level of influence. If that, if if he's literally just saying shit, and then people are like, yeah, okay, like, <laughs> uh, I, I definitely don't think it, chapter two, is any good at all. Uh, uh but also like. I'm not interested in watching that. What's the director's name? I can't even say. Andy, Andy Muschietti. Muschietti. It sounds like some shit I would order at the Olive Garden. Uh, give me an Andy Muschietti. If Andy Muschietti, <laughs> or not fucking Olive Garden, uh, a little bit more upscale, uh, Brio, like a little mm. bit more of an upscale, <laughs> not quite upscale. Uh, but uh, he, he edited them together, apparently. He had like a cut. He was planning to do that. I don't know if he ever did it. It was I never released it, I, if he did. I think, isn't it like, was or was it like a dvd i think there's a dvd version of it out there where it's cut together like it's like an alternative cut like with the actual theatrical i think i don't know like there was definitely cut. a lot of talk about that but i know yeah. i don't think yeah. it was ever put out proper. maybe they didn't or he maybe he just didn't maybe he was just gonna release it on youtube but either way i'm like it's clearly like one of those one of those situations where like they just made the movie again mm-hmm. they made the same movie twice they just was like okay now they're older now though and we just flash back to the kids <laughs> is, like, that yeah. is that What's series that? still happening yeah it's still yeah. a go but they don't have anybody from the original attached i mean it's gonna be andy muschietti and his sister helming it or they're at least gonna be like producing the first season it's probably gonna be as like much influence as michael mann with tokyo vice where they're just putting their name on it yeah michael you know, mann, you know that that's what that's what kind of like they kind of they kind of tricked they kind of tricked us with that one Oh, then yeah. I'm like, I was like, oh, Michael, man. And then I realized it was like Dustin Critton, whatever his name is. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, guy. he's in for <laughs> the, the first episode. Guy. Yeah, okay. you, you get you get like the Michael Mann feel in that first episode. And then he pieces out and you get something totally different. After and it's that. like we, they had to make sure it was Asian uh, uh, director. So, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, but Dustin isn't Japanese. They're fucking racist. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think like, made it doesn't like matter three... that he's not Japanese, even though the story is about a white guy in in Japan. It's in about Japan. his story, based on his book. 
You know? yeah. I think I made it like three episodes in and completely lost interest because I the first to... one, do- the first one does have that Michael Mann feel, but then as soon as you lose that, it's kind of like. Oh. I, I love I love that first episode and how kind of deliberately intentionally sloppy Michael Mann is with the camera movements and the audio and everything. There, it's so unlike anything else on television. It feels very like gritty indie film. And then once you get past that, you just kind of have a. I don't want to say it's generic because I enjoyed Tokyo Vice and I thought it was probably better than the book it's based on. Um, you know, it, it's just kind of like a good HBO show, but it doesn't have like that unique artistic characteristic that Michael Mann brings to the table. Yeah, you're not. Michael Mann is Michael Mann's goat tier. So like, like literally the only reason I was interested in that was because of Michael Mann. I mean, I do have the Tokyo Vice book. I haven't finished it because I think like, I don't know, I started to read it and I kind of felt like the guy was kind of bullshitting. <laughs> like, yeah, like, there's a, there's a lot of shit that does like, not, gonna, it yeah. doesn't read as like, like what things people would say or do. And he also yeah. loves to go on and on. Like the deeper you get into the book, he's like padding out the pages. With like, yeah, and yeah. then I met with this prostitute and she was so good at sucking dick and I was eating her <laughs> out and I was fucking, I was doing that. And it's just like, it's literally, he does intervals of these fucking like five to 10 page sex descriptions i'm not a prude or anything i just said i would watch euphoria but it's like come on you fucking nerd i you're on the cover you look gross <laughs> you're gonna tell me about sleeping with prostitutes like that's big conquest come on get real pal jesus um, down in kabuki cho yeah yeah <laughs> they they complimented him greatly casting receding hairline ansel it's, elgort it's, as his gort, gort, gort driver baby driver god baby mm-hmm. driver sucks I don't like Baby uh, Drive. Oh. What did you think? Hans, that's your guy, Edgar Wright. What do you think? Oh, you like Edgar looks, Wright still? He kind of looks like Tom Sizemore now that we're... <laughs> He looks like uh, his nose kind of has like an Artie Lang collapse type of thing going on with the sides. I was literally trying to read it. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I have it right here. Um, <clears throat> no, uh, Baby Driver is probably my least favorite Edgar Wright movie even the what's the last night in Soho I like better because I felt like at least it had a little bit more visual style than I can't like here's I I used to like really like Edgar Wright I went through my Edgar Wright phase when I was like when back when Shaun of the Dead first came out and then he followed it up with the the fucking cop movie what was it uh hot fuzz hot fuzz and fucking even 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 world's end I gave a pass which world's end's kind of mid uh But what I've noticed about Edgar Wright is like he wants to be taken seriously as a filmmaker. And like he just doesn't when it's not comedic, it doesn't quite work as well because Mm. his whole style is pastiche. And like he's not Tarantino, though, like, you know what I mean? And what I mean by that is like Tarantino can get away with doing the pastiche because I feel like Tarantino sort of understands drama in a way that Edgar Wright doesn't like where. I'm watching movies like Baby Driver and it's just like, you're just doing like karaoke crime movie, like a crime movie karaoke, where it's like, you're just doing scenes and shit that you think are cool and you're putting them all together. But when you finish assembling it, it's like, it's like, what? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't have any sort of stakes or emotional sort of, I don't have any attachment to the piece, nothing because it's just like, it's like a, it's almost like a, a fan film. You're right. You know, I I didn't make that connection before. It's actually very obvious in retrospect. It's like, Mm -hmm. as soon as he got away from comedy, that's when everything started feeling very boring and just forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's kind of unfortunate. I I, I hope he does eventually 
decide to circle back and hopefully reteam with with Simon uh, Pegg, yeah. Simon Pegg who yeah, does not seem to be up to much these days. He you could use a yeah. movie. Well, that's what happens though. Like you know, they get into Hollywood and you become part of the system. And you start eating really well, and then you just like, hey, fuck it, like, <laughs> like I'm not mm -hmm. doing shit. Like you know what I mean? Like that's what happens to like the best of them. Like. Uh, uh, when you get complacent, you know what I mean? That's what's cool about some of those like older era filmmaker guys, like who kind of like still have the edge. Yeah, like I feel like, like Park Chan Wook. I feel like Freakin still has edge. You know what oh, I'm yeah. Like, like, he's shooting like, a movie right now. He's doing that. Uh, so he's Showtime. Like a million years old. Yeah. yeah he's, <laughs> he's in rough shape too. I don't know if you've seen any like Q&As with him. He's in a wheelchair now. He's a little more foggy. He's not as quick as he used to be, but he's still quick. Uh, he's doing, I think it's Mutiny on the Bounty with Kiefer Sutherland right now. And Showtime is going to, distribute it oh shit uh, well i would definitely check out freaking anything he does I'll, I'll give it a shot um same thing with michael mann michael mann is like like i know he's doing that lamborghini movie right mm -hmm. uh ferrari 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 sorry lamborghini's the shitty one that frank grillo's in right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's, not, that's like the garbage one um uh <laughs> uh yeah like i will watch but I, I just noticed that like certain when people get a certain amount of success and they get subsumed by by the, the the hollywood machine uh they just like you just he needs to have that picture uh on he needs to put a book out and make that his author photo or, yeah, uh, but he also needs like imdb picture yeah or he just needs, he needs to have that erased off the internet probably. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, uh man. yeah but Chad um, Clark, yeah. To, to, to get to get on to him since we're, we were talking about that um uh his movie um I think Chan Wook Park, maybe it's because he's Korean. Um, and that's just a whole, whole different thing. I feel like he's like, even though Decision to Leave isn't like my favorite, like, I don't feel like it doesn't feel like a filmmaker who's lost a step necessarily. It just feels no. like, you know what I'm saying? It just, he, he still feels like he, like, I watch that movie and I don't look at that as like a movie that's like by a guy who doesn't have it anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like it's like no, he can still make. He still got like great movies, great films. Yeah, I completely agree. When I watched that and I rewatched it, a movie put out a, a real fucking cheap Blu-ray. I'll say that I was ranted about it a little bit on my Instagram story. How how cheap the text on the menus were compared to the logo. Yeah, I think I saw. I think I saw. That I couldn't theater. believe like the it. They they presented it in a Criterion case, which I like. And then I pop yeah. in the Blu-ray. It's cheap as fuck. Um, Decision to leave didn't feel like a decline so much as like. He was taking conveniences deliberately, maybe with that movie. Like I didn't, I didn't get the sense that it was him, um, you know, being fog-brained or anything as a director and creatively being impaired. Now, did, it was just laziness, maybe. Now, did Hans? Did you watch uh, the Moon Is the Sun's Dream? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, you yeah. did? Okay. Yeah. Because okay. I was wondering, because we've been we talked about, it, but Hans seems like now I don't give a fuck about. The yeah, movie you. At I all. think you lucked out here, Hans, <laughs> and we haven't talked about it at all. Well, what, what did yeah, you think I, of it? Because we've talked about I, Park Chan Wook's movies before, yeah. although I think the only other episode we've done on one of his films, we did Old Boy, right? And that was me and you. And then you got sick. The one sick day I think you've ever taken in the yeah. history of the show was Decision to Leave, and I had J. David Osborne and Kelby on for that. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that one. Uh, I think uh, it's it's very cheesy. It's very uh, romance movie, like you guys said, like uh, and played straight. Uh, I guess my my biggest problems with it was that uh, it it has like it has like a weird cheesiness from the '90s that I didn't really en enjoyed that much. Uh, I liked some aspects of it. I, I thought the 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 way that 
Korea looks, like you said, in the 90s is interesting on its own. Like it doesn't really have to do that much to make the setting look interesting. And I did enjoy some of the jazzy romantic music that he was playing in some of it. I thought that was that was all right. But I, I it just I guess it didn't feel like and, and it's because I'm more familiar with his later movies that it 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 felt very weird that he went from this to you know old boy or the handmaiden you know moves are completely out there uh yeah. especially well, the violence part because the right, violence but, but, here is but, but you skipped a bunch like because you know he had joint security oh, yeah. joint sec- JSA, yeah, 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 security. Yeah. so like there was a progression to 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 where he got to those hyper violent movies or, or i don't even i don't even know if they're hyper violent as much as like they're just moments of effective violence you know what I'm saying? it's like, it's like a switch from mm-hmm. because you guys said that the other one the what's it called trio uh that's mm-hmm. also like a romantic or like comedy right and then joint security area which i have i i haven't watched it i i, I like went through a like, thing where, where i just downloaded all of them i think uh yeah even thirst which is a vampire one right yeah uh, thirst is great thirst cyber this is awesome uh yeah. so uh uh, that's that's what I noticed that okay so he started with two romantic I guess I, I mean I don't know if the if the uh, true is a comedy but that don't feel like they fit with the rest of his filmography right. well that's probably why that's, that's a big reason why he doesn't want those Mike movies is, out yeah. out there but also you got to remember too that those are those are movies that he sort of broke in with you know what I mean like so mm-hmm. cut his teeth on and getting into the industry those are probably there's a lot of compromises that I'm assuming he had to make Clearly, they're not the types of movies he wanted to make because he hasn't made movies like that since. Uh, and but I'm, I'm sure very... it's also a a product of like 1992 in Korea, right? Right. That's right. probably the type I, of I thought, movie. I thought I thought the photographer been. guy. I thought the photographer guy was like a Park Chan Wook stand-in. Like I thought, like like the way he like dresses and everyone like that's. I, I'm like this has to be some something about this has to be related to, to his life a little bit. Like I don't know. If he had like a girl that he loved, as, as his friend was, that was part, sold you know, like, into. Sleep. Yeah, yeah. Because like, <laughs> the way, like, even even when he's in the movie theater at the end, watching her on the screen and shit, uh, I'm just like, this is like, this is Park Chan Wook. Like, the only thing he's missing is a cigarette. Like, you just put a fucking cigarette in because he's always smoking and shit. I don't know if you yeah. watched Old Days, the fucking documentary of making of Old Days. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like on set smoking, like action, and he's just fucking smoking, man. You look so cool, fucking smoking, like, <laughs> like, dude, I'm about it's a to very, start smoking after this shit. <laughs> a very Babylon ending. Now that uh, think about it, right? Hey, Just a man yeah. in the theater crying. The parallels yeah. there. Yeah, you're uh, right. It did I, have the Babylon. You're right. It did. My yeah. my my favorite part was the stab puppy that was in the toilet bowl. That was cool. That was a cool cut of just. Yeah. random violence for no oh. just like oh now there's a you know one of those famous asian knives on this i get i don't know if it was i don't even know if it was a puppy it just kind of looked you, like a furry thing on the toilet what do you guys think about the hero guy like i feel like again i, I called him like a swagged up king kim jong-un like i just feel like the casting on that was strange like yeah i hate his facial I, hair i hate how it's just like, was, it's like fully transparent but it's <laughs> yeah. not developed yeah. at all it fucking it felt like someone like patched it in yes. or something it, it looked horrible it, it felt like a children's play when they're playing an adult it's like, oh, yeah. like the beard on you yeah <laughs> an overgrown baby playing an adult that's yeah. what it felt like right it did feel like that like like they even like styled him had him in like the cool jackets and shit and like but it was just kind of like large. it didn't kind of work right like it was just like 
like I don't even believe the chick would be like into him. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm like, this dude fucking I don't know. Maybe the Korean beauty standards are different or something. I don't fucking know. But but I'm just looking at him like, what the hell? And also the thing with the scar was kind of goofy. Like I did I feel like Yeah, it wasn't even that bad. And, and, yeah. It wasn't yeah. even that bad. And then the the other girl is like like throwing <laughs> up when looking at her. It's like what's like like Can a, somebody like, clip is, that and just turn that into a gif is what Hans <laughs> just did? That would be nice. I also thought that, which actually made me uh, laugh a little bit, the whole scene with him explaining why he has a dragon tattoo on his back, <laughs> being like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, I saw, hide, you know? I saw yeah. myself as a serpent waiting could... to become a dragon. And, I think that's what Ben Affleck wanted... said, too, with his back tattoo. Oh, God. <laughs> and then he's like, and I, because I just wanted to, whenever I feel weak, I can look at that tattoo. But then I got it on my bag, and I was like, "Am I just reading subtitles that don't make like? Is this the actual <laughs> script? <laughs> because nothing you just said makes sense when you get a tattoo on your back that you're never gonna see." So then that whole yeah, yeah. yeah. that was funny. I thought that was and and but then I was confused because I was like, "Okay, so is these uh, Park Chan Wook tongue in cheek type of dialogue, or is this being played straight as like?" Am I supposed to be taking this guy seriously when he's talking about his tattoo? Yeah, uh, and see, that's the uh, thing. Maybe, maybe, maybe to us because we don't—it's subtitled and we don't speak yeah. Korean. Like maybe we're just missing how. Like it probably is way cornier to people in Korea. Like, I was you know going to say like, when I yeah. watched this a couple of years ago uh, around Koreans, the comment was the acting is so bad. The acting is yeah. terrible. It's so corny. It's like a soap opera. How bad mm. the acting in this yeah. is, which yeah. makes complete sense because it doesn't register to me. Because when what, I guess you you watch any Korean film where they cast like some white American guy who just so happens to live in Korea, it's always the worst fucking actor on the planet. It's always like it will take you out of the movie. I watched some like I don't even know what it was. I think it was like an arm wrestling movie or like a food eating competition movie, and they had it took place in a Los Angeles bar. And all of the actors were the most miserable fucking like people you could ever see in a motion picture shot professionally with that kind of budget. It was so horrible, like below, like re- ba- like clearly scripted reality television style acting. It was just horrible. Yeah, I've noticed that when I because I watch a lot of like, you know, uh, a- Asian cinema in general, like and I've noticed like. Not only the American actors are particularly bad because I feel like they just get the ones that are there, like just mm-hmm. just happen to be over there, like yeah, hey, yeah, you're a fucking American. They just come in and say the line all horrible. It's almost like they don't speak English. It's weird. Uh, but yeah. then like fucking, uh, there'll be moments in movies where like the the like there was a movie uh, that I watched, and the main character, at a certain point, like she was supposed to be educated in the U.S. Like she was supposed to have left the country and grew up over in America. And so, so when she comes back, you know, over to Asia, I think it's in, I think this movie was, did it take place in China? It was either China or Japan, right? But um, I can't remember what fucking movie this is, but I just remember being so taken aback by her speaking English to the rest of them because they thought she was fluent. Like she was talking to another fucking person, American, and she was like, and it sounded like uh, the way an alien would like talk, yeah. but like, alien with down syndrome like you know what i mean <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like like it didn't sound like no person that speaks if you spoke english like that it would be like you'd be like you clearly can't speak english yeah 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 and it just i noticed that a lot when whenever they try to uh make an american actor that is 
slightly Latino speak Spanish, but they don't actually speak Spanish. And mm. then they just say it with like the thickest American accent. But because they don't speak Spanish, it's like, that sounds that sounds like tacos. And, you know, <laughs> so but then when I'm watching it, I'm like, wait a second, that's not that no one speaks like that. You know, it doesn't matter what country you're from, like the cadence and the way that you're that, uh, what's it, Gian Giancarlo Esposito in, in Breaking Bad. I was like, that, that's what the fuck is this? this you're that's not, you know, an Italian. Man. Like, that's not. May yeah, Lamo, it's a Lamo Carlito. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, so uh, that's and and it's probably the the language barrier thing. We're just like that sounds American to me. So and right, that, just, that's one of the biggest. It's one of the biggest issues that we had with Squid Game. I remember that whenever they brought the American actors, oh, even yeah. wearing were, a yeah. mask, it was yeah. like the bad. fucking line reading. Can you fucking yes, read the voice not even, actors? We're but not I'm even wondering if your those, I'm wondering if those guys in Squid Game, because they were uniquely bad. Um, I'm wondering if it, they were like European or something, or some kind of like, you know, like they were they were just white people, but they weren't from America, so they're they're that's the reason their performance dialogue was so fucking weird. Like, you know what I mean? Because it feels like maybe someone who could speak passable English, but like not really. <laughs> you know, because they it, it, they were really bad. You're right. In Squid Game, I was almost like, yo, what? the fuck like why? yeah was, mm -hmm. why yeah. do that there's, there's no no reason you're when just you're bringing making a fucking movies, playstation one right actors. when you're making movies and shows for a specific audience i guess like as long as it passes the sniff test they had just, they just probably just had no idea that squid game would become the the phenomena that it did you know what i mean like it just didn't have they had no netflix didn't fucking know no you know i don't I mean? think like, anyone predicted it yeah like, no one no one could predict how 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 much of a, a phenomenon that would grow to be but you don't have to worry because um the moon is the sun's dream will never do that it will never be no it's strictly all korean that's right it will well, never be that no. <laughs> you know um park chan wook decided to do an english film stoker which stoker. we've talked about before it doesn't quite work you can see that maybe he has like a hard time directing the actors because it's an all english speaking production and then he did uh the little drummer girl which i think you added to your letterbox yeah. for your watch list mm -hmm. i've only seen the first episode of that and i can say that it doesn't suffer the same problem as stoker and now he's going and doing a third thing which i'm very curious about and kind of excited about which is called the sympathizer for hbo and it's gonna start robert downey jr and he's gonna be working with english-speaking actors and vietnamese-speaking actors so there's double the opportunity to fuck it all up um but i don't know i have a sense it'll be i, I have a suspicion it's gonna be good and it'll be needed for Robert Downey Jr. because he needs to get far away from anything Disney or Disney adjacent. Well, yeah, like he definitely... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he's fucking, yeah, Downey's just, he's cashed out. Like, it's kind of strange because, like, you watched him sort of, you know, fall fall from grace and then, like, have this massive comeback. And then, like, I, and then, like, his dad, like, his whole, like, being that his dad was like this interesting kind of like independent kind of filmmaker who mm -hmm. made like shit like Putney Putney Swope, um, and then like to see Robert Downey Jr. now like he's a good actor like he's legitimately a good actor. Um, I just wonder though like like what's next for him like should he, I'm, I'm almost wondering like yeah obviously this this park chan Wook thing has got my interest and i'm wondering like okay that could potentially be good or or he could be like in a certain phase where he's going to go down the pacino de niro he could be in that like era Tom Sizemore, bro. 
You know what I'm saying? Tom Sizemore. Yeah, no, yeah, hopefully not Tom Sizemore. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, you're, you might be onto something there. I think it's very interesting to see um, what his late career game plan is because, you know, he does seem like he's exhausted and exhausted the fumes from doing so many Disney movies and Marvel movies. And uh, he got out earlier than really anyone else except for like Terrence Howard because he fucked up. Um, yeah. but, Terrence Howard was war machine and he fucked that up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a blessing in disguise and retrospect. Yeah. Probably not for him, because what else has he done? Yeah, Nothing. how do you how do you fuck up a job where you get the role of a badass while having a micro penis and everyone knows took a movie. <laughs> he was in a movie that the script I read the script and I was like, This movie is so bad. Um and I I'm not even gonna name the movie. Fuck I should fuck this. I'm gonna name the movie. Uh there's you're movie. you're two hours in on this. Show. I think it's safe to. Yeah, name I think it's safe. Yeah. So whatever. No, no, no one's gonna hear this. Like, so there's this movie uh, called The System, starring Tyrese Gibson, and uh, it's directed, written, and directed by this director, Dallas Jackson. No relation to me. Um, and like, I read the script, and I told Tyrese Gibson, "Don't do the movie." I, I told him that. I said, "Don't do the movie." Now he did the movie. Does he? I, I'm assuming because money money yeah like he just wanted the money did the movie terrence howard is in that movie the movie looks the script was horrible the movie looks equally as horrible it's got terrence howard fucking a little yachty red flag uh fucking uh what's what's the jeremy piven like but those are the types of movies terrence howard is in right now where it's like yeah there's other people who have better careers probably than him but like he's doing movies like that so that kind of shows you kind of like um yeah, like all the people doing that movie, I'm pretty sure they're just doing it for the money. Like, uh, but you know what, Malcolm? I mean, like I've seen a uh, fucking what's his name? Uh, John Malkovich does garbage. He'll do anything. Oh, yeah, Malcolm he's McDowell. on that slope now you're, too. You're, yeah, you're, Malcolm yeah, McDowell yeah, yeah, yeah. will certainly do shit. Yeah, he's so been doing that for there's 30 legitimate years. actors, like real actory actors from the capital A who are just do will do whatever for the check if the you know what I mean. So. He's not alone in that, and I guess he's just taking he's taking what they can give him because, he, like he said, he fucked up the Marvel bag. But honestly, um, yeah, fuck Marvel. Like you know what I'm saying? That's all I like. I was like, yeah, fuck Marvel. Yeah, I get the I get it. The money's the money's the money. But like, fuck Marvel. They make horrible shit. Like like so. Um, yeah, I, I I always shit on Marvel too. So. I'm definitely not. Uh, I, you know I would like to see Terrence Howard get something good because it seems like he's really trapped. Whereas those guys, they choose those roles because, I mean, maybe they fucked the wrong woman or something and it's just, uh, they have no choice. But, I, you know, there's always the John Voight opportunity of like, well, you might be cast in something real if you do a hundred of these really horrible movies. It doesn't seem like anyone's cutting Terrence Howard any slag. And he was always like very good. I just rewatched Hustle and Flow like a week ago, and he's yeah. so good in that movie. And, um, and again, again, that filmmaker, fucking Craig Brewer, like, look at his his output now is horrible. I know, I that blew my mind that that was Craig Brewer. I had yeah. no idea, and then yeah. I checked out Letterbox after. I was like, oh my god, he did Coming to America. He's he's the Eddie Murphy guy now. Uh, you never want I mean, to be the I Eddie did, Murphy I did, guy. I did now. like the Dolomite movie. I did like the Dolomite movie. But I kind of liked it for reasons that are probably not legit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. where I'm like, I didn't, I don't want to say it's the quality. It's more like it, it, it was like, I wanted to see a movie about Rudy Raymore. Yeah. And it was nice that they did a movie with Eddie Murphy again, but now he's doing crappy movies with Kenya Bears. But, but, but like, you know, 
it's just one of those things where I look at some of these guys and I'm just like, damn, they really must be in like, I, I, I know I have, I, I have my own bills, but I'm like, I can't imagine like the bills, they got mortgages. They probably got several mortgages. Like they got to, they're living a different life, a different kind yeah. of lifestyle. So like, they got to take some of this shit. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Where, where when you have like uh, seven houses and shit, you know, like um, I'm pretty sure that overhead is very, uh, you have very to. stressful to continue to maintain. Yeah, <laughs> John Malkovich Roberts. never used to do those direct to Redbox yeah. movies. That's yeah. something that's brand new in like the past three or four years. Like I have a friend who, uh, who worked on this uh, Snow Pups movie, Snow Dogs, or something, <laughs> something like that. And uh, he was telling me because like the guy who directed that acquires movies and then is like, "All right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take this movie and we're gonna get." We're going to get Corey Feldman and we're going to throw Corey Feldman in the movie and then we can sell it to Norway and get three times the money back on the budget. And that's what we're going to do. Um, so they're just like in the business of throwing celebrities. I don't want to say washed up, but washed up celebrities into pre-existing like shot movies without them and then making money from that. And John Malkovich is a guy who's hopped into that game like in the past three or four years. You can see him now stemming, in, in, stemming up in those like Mel Gibson and uh, what's his name from Entourage? Kevin Dillon movies that that are coming out. Those those two are new to that too. Unfortunately, I don't know how you you wind up as Mel Gibson doing fucking what was it on air or something? What, Hans, what was the movie? Yeah, Mel Gibson. That's 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 pretty crazy. That's pretty. But but again, like, yeah, I just I just know the economics a little bit. I've Hot seen... seat. Hot seat. Thank you. Hot seat. Yeah, I just know the economics, and I'm just like these people are taking these money. These are fi- these are purely business decisions. These are oh, yeah. these are like these are these are like uh, 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 these aren't like like decisions that are made by uh, any sort of artistic like mm-hmm. <laughs> like like I want to be no like no this is a business like so like these it's it's once you kind of it it takes away I feel like Hollywood is 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 a is a place that's built on you know. It's it, it's about make believe, right? That's what the whole industry is. It's it's about narratives, and so like these people have these narratives, you know, not only for for the films they're in, but the narratives for the persona for the people they uh, present themselves to be in the media and in the public, right? Um, and I feel like we're so inundated with that that through the media that we sort of by default kind of view them almost unrealistically because like when when we start to see like them make career choices like this then it kind of like takes the mask off or the fucking lifts the fucking the veil where you're like oh like yeah this guy he's just a guy he needs to pay his bills like you know what i'm saying like like this is just like like he wants a new boat or some shit like he's taking this movie you know (laughs) you know what i mean like it's not like a good example is ellen burston doing that new exorcist movie that's coming out for the exact amount of money that she needed for her like granddaughter to go to college or something for all four that's years. What, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And that's what. And honestly, like, if you did, like, if it was just a regular job, like, like, I know people that do that shit all the time. We're like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking this because I need to pay. Yeah. Debt. I need to do this. I need to do that. So it's like, of course, of course, they're gonna do that. Like that new Exorcist movie, by the way, isn't it fucking uh, your your boy from Halloween? David Gordon David Green's Gordon Green. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The more I learn about that movie, it's just like, this is doomed. This is one of his paychecks, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You That's know? the only reason David, I, David Gordon Green does not strike me, never has struck me as a horror fan, right? Uh, which is not, a, again, we've talked about this before. That's not a necessarily a negative when it comes mm-hmm. to making a horror movie. But um, 
now here, this is you're going they're four in now dog <laughs> you're about to be four in <laughs> you know it's maybe it's time to uh like to to step away from the genre and go back to making shit like uh george washington or whatever the hell that movie was that he made yeah uh, no i would love to see him go back to like georgia and shoot something mm. like real again that would be nice because yeah I, i'm 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 tapped out as far as horror in general but also just like existing franchises and fucking with the the exorcist franchise i think is like low-hanging fruit for any director um so i'm not really i'm not really in on that uh i'm still agnostic towards it but i don't have high hopes whatsoever so you got you're telling me you're tapped on horror. You telling me that you guys won't you and Hans won't do a horror movie, <laughs> given well, uh, given the right you, uh, <laughs> out of watching horror. I think yeah so, yeah 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 watching horror contributing to horror. I mean we'll see we'll okay, we'll, okay. we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Mass State Lottery is kind of a horror movie. Some would say right. Yeah, there's there's like serial killer guy. angle or in there, in there right. So yeah yeah yeah, that's, yeah. That, that 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 can work. That could be. Uh, it's spooky. It There's spooky elements for certain. I mean, so, I, know, I don't know. I know Hans but... looks kind of weird with that hair. And... <laughs> <laughs> I think it works for Hans. I think he looks no, it looks good. I mean, hair. It look, he doesn't like think a so. Killer. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like I'm like, okay. yeah. Well, especially that's what made me want to shave my head when I saw myself in that public access show we did, mm -hmm. and there was a green screen behind us, and you could see like <laughs> you could see stray through my hand. I was like, that's what everyone sees. What the fuck? Like that, when I look in the mirror, I don't see that shit. But then looking from a different angle, I was like, that's horrendous. I need to get rid of this shit. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. we have a new cut of that and we're going to be previewing it this month. So that is exciting. This is a version of the movie. I, maybe I'll tell you not on the show or something. No, yeah, but, yeah, you might want to uh, say yeah. I'll DM off. you about it. But anyway, we got to close out the show on this now because Hans, you wake up at five in the morning every yeah. morning, don't you? And, uh, you know, we don't even do shows at like nine o'clock or 10 o'clock anymore because of that. Yeah. What's very what, what time zone is Costa Rica? What is that? I, I'm uh, an hour behind Eastern. Oh, that's all. I thought, oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Mm. That's not bad. It's only nine over where you're at. Oh, shit. Damn. Yeah. Which means it's an hour past bedtime for now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking about uh, everything but the moon is the but sun's game. We talked about a little bit. We talked about I have to like read. I might chop this up into two episodes and like give it like a different theme. Just like put all the moon is the sun's dream together and then. Everything yeah. else might be its own show. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, where do you want to direct people? Give give your podcast a shout out and yeah, obviously um, link me in the DM. So I, I'll put a link in the yeah, description. Yeah, check out, uh, I guess, I guess like and subscribe. Do a review for Mutual Aberration Society. I, I think that's helpful. I've heard that's helpful. Uh, uh, review uh, on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Um, act, uh, check out Mutual Aberration Society backslash or patreon.com backslash mutual aberration society uh there's a, obviously i have a patron patreon um podcast episodes are there too uh even the free ones and yeah that's it check it out um i got some other stuff coming but i'd rather just have that stuff be out yeah, yeah. all right oh so, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone check out the show it is an enjoyable show i do listen to it on spotify so uh i would highly recommend that hans everybody knows where to find you h word name on twitter are you ever going to get a blue check hans are you ever going to put the money forward to get a blue check <laughs> twitter blue or <laughs> what i bought a blue check and i changed my bio and then it disappeared and i waited three weeks and then it came back and i was like i got to change my profile picture i'm not blonde anymore and it's gone again i fucking pay for nothing for nothing i have no blue check so well, you also um, have like seven times the followers that i have so that 
makes it a little bit more worth if it. If you had like a blue check, you get more people. followers, Hans. That's all right. That's a, that's a fact. Anyway, that's been Movies for this week. Thank you for listening.